is The Monty Show, the truth in sports talk streaming. When you want unbiased opinions about your favorite team without the spin, all you have to do is find The Monty Show, streaming live and available 24 hours a day, seven days a week on YouTube. And now, here's Monty. Hey, hey, how the heck are you? The Monty Show is live on your YouTube machine, wherever you might be, on your TV on your phone, on your tablet, on your computer. We appreciate you being here every day. Big, big week in college football. We'll be live at Big 12 Media Day starting on Wednesday and Thursday. We'll be off this week on Friday. Don't forget tomorrow morning we'll be live uh, 5 to 7 Pacific, uh, which, of course, is 8 to 10 Eastern. In the morning. In the morning. A.M., like fucking early. (laughs) On the Monty Show. That didn't take long. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. We're a family show over here yeah. presented by the advocates, the Utah advocates, utahadvocates.com, advocates.com. If you've been in an accident, saw that horrible story over the weekend in Las Vegas where a gentleman was riding his bike and got run over um, by a semi truck that just kept on going. Uh, you didn't deserve to get hit by a semi-truck. You do deserve somebody to fight for you. And the worst thing in the world is when you've been in that accident and your mind's a mess, you're not thinking straight, you have all this stress about how am I going to pay my bills, how am I going to pay my mortgage, my car payment, my job, you shouldn't be worried about that. You should be worried about getting your health back. Let the advocates fight for you. Let them worry about that. Let them defer your medical bills the best part is you never reach into your pocket. You're never going to cut the advocates a check because you don't pay the advocates unless and until they win your case at theadvocates.com. How the heck is everybody? Hope you had a great weekend. First in today, um, let's see. Patrick Bourne says he's dead, Monty. He don't care about no attorneys. Hey, guys. Actually, you guys should go read the story. It is a crazy story. Uh, this dude was just riding his scooter, his little whatever rental scooter, right? And got hit by a semi truck, and the truck just kept get on the freeway and kept on going. <clears throat> and they don't have it on camera, they don't have it on pictures, and it happened in broad daylight at like two o'clock in the afternoon. How the heck does that happen? No idea. Uh, C. Kaufman, the first one in. How the heck are you? Uh, Good to see you, sir. Um, Tom Dean says he's second. Saul Goodman is third. Uh, Mike Chase, how the heck are you? He says the major announcement is there's still no deal. Old news. Have a great show, Monty. No, actually, there is real, tangible, hard news Um, out of the the Pac-12 today. Big, big changes at the top of the Pac-12 conference, hello, centered on the uh, Board of Governors in the Pac-12, Anna Marie Cosse, the president of Washington, out off the Board of Directors in the Pac-12. Now, her term expired. The presidents rotate on a uh, three-year term. And very interesting is the fact that Robert Robbins, the president in Arizona, is the newest member And you'll never guess who the president of the board of directors of the Pac-12 is. Yeah, that's right. It's Washington State's Kirk Schultz, Um, one of the most financially strapped but passionate about sports presidents in the Pac-12. And 
it's odd because they're in the middle of this contract negotiation, trying to get a new TV deal, trying to get a grant of rights done. But one of the more interesting facets of this conversation is, is right now the ideal time to be making changes and significant changes, policy directing changes at the top of the Pac-12. And Jake, it just feels like outside of the bodies being changed, now just isn't a real good time to be making changes like this. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I would completely agree with that. At the same time, it's very Pac-12, isn't it? I mean, you're not doing anything in a, in a, in a way that would make sense from a business perspective. You're not, like, you're making changes to your executive board in the middle of, of, of trying to survive as a conference, quite literally, right? It's the old existential crisis we always talk about on the program. So to me... Yeah, it's not a great time to be making changes, and I don't care whether your term ran out or whether you know you uh, you know whether it's just standard protocol or not. It doesn't really matter to me. I mean, you're still making the change, and and to me, like President Kose has never been someone that that is uh, really spoken about anything at any given time. So it probably is a little bit wiser to have someone who's obviously outspoken uh, in President Robbins sit on your board. That makes a lot of sense to me that way. But, yeah, I mean, making changes to your board, I'm not so sure that that's a great thing. Uh, Can it be turned into a great thing? Yeah, it can be turned into a great thing if your board starts to uh, come up with better ideas, operate the conference in a better way. Like, you know, and again, not as though they have, you know, you know, black and white control over the conference. But if your board can come up with better ideas and in a better direction for the rest of the presidents to try to follow, I would think that would be healthier for your conference in a time when you really could use all the leadership that you can get when you're talking about whether you're going to survive or not. So I, I, I didn't love this timing wise, but at the same time, it, like that's the way they've chosen to handle it. And I've le- I'm left feeling like, yeah, man, are we really that surprised? This is the PAC 12 doing what the PAC 12 does, making decisions and changing things when really there's no reason to change things. So I don't know. It remains to be seen. But what I can say is that uh, President Kose at Washington just got a little less busy, which I think for Washington could also be a positive thing when you look at them changing conferences potentially. Well, and I, I think a couple of things stand out about this. Obviously, we all are aware that President Kose was one of the most vocal critics um, at least according to our sources here on the show, she was one of the most vocal critics against streaming um, an Apple and all Apple deal. That's one. Two, she was not at all passionate about the success or failure of sports. Um, she was very much from our sourcing, uh, much more about the money in the bottom line. Um, whereas you add somebody like Bobby Robbins at Arizona, that is a sports fanatic. That is somebody who is all in on making sure that not only are his sports programs making money, but that his sports programs are winning. Robert Robbins at Arizona is a passionate sports figure. I think that is a very good move. But the name that comes to mind, and I'm sure this will be conspiracy theory, but I couldn't help but think it the first time I heard about this, Carol Fault at USC. Now, why do I say that? I say that because how did we wind up in this situation with the Pac-12 in the first place? Well, Carol Fault decided not to tell anybody that she and UCLA were going to the Big Ten. But what else did Carol Fault do? Carol Fault, who is an extremely influential president in the Pac-12 before they made the announcement that they were going to the Big Ten, torpedoed expansion. And if you look at now what this does, I thought a very good point was made uh, on Twitter today 
when somebody said, hey, this gives one of the most prominent four-corner presidents a seat at the decision-making table. And that's exactly what this does. Robert Robbins has a very clear, I think, path forward in his mind. Staying, going, I don't think any of us know that. But when I look at Bobby Robbins in Arizona, the thing that is very clear is if there is a better path to prosperity for his teams in the Big 12, he's out. He's going to the Big 12, which is very reminiscent, in my opinion, of what happened with Carol Fult and USC at the Pac-12. And Jake, it feels a little too close for comfort. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, when you give a, a, a four-corner school uh, president, you know, control or seat at the table, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a really dynamic situation. I mean, obviously, President Robbins, like I said, has been really outspoken about what his position is. He's not scared to say what's on his that's mind. That's right. And I think that I think that that's a, like I was saying, I think that's a big change from a President Kose. Like, you know, ultimately, and, and I think this is where, for me, the rubber kind of meets the road with President Kose at Washington. You can sit here behind closed doors and you can, you know, like we get great information about the conversations they have. But ultimately, my biggest gripe with her is like, hey, that's all fine and dandy that you want to be against streaming behind closed doors. But why don't you come out and say that? Why don't you come out and and share that thought? Because I think that that that, you know, there there's two schools of thought here. Right. Obviously, you've got the President Robbins, you know, Colorado uh, school of thought, right? Arizona, Colorado, hell, even ASU, you could throw in there. Not so much Utah, Utah but a little bit, but like not as much. Like President Robbins has been pretty aggressive about it. Like I uh, would agree. You know, like obviously they've all kind of talked about it, but but I'm I'm talking about the aggression that one speaks with. Like President Robbins uh, and Ray Anderson have both in different ways talked very aggressively about what their opinions are. And I do think there's some benefit to having someone like that on your executive board rather than someone that that is an administrator or an educational mind first who just kind of has a thought on why she doesn't really feel like trying to figure out YouTube TV. Right. Like that's two different uh, that's schools of thought. Right. That's like this point. is this is someone who is education first, academics first and doesn't really operate in the world of streaming. So I can't emphasize enough how 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 much people make decisions for the bigger picture based on what they do in the day-to-day. So if you're in your 60s and you don't give a damn about streaming, you're probably not going to be real interested in getting a streaming service for your conference. Whereas if you're President Robbins and you're a sports fanatic and you love sports and you want to see sports thrive and you probably do have some experience with streaming, you're going to push for that a little bit more. So that's why I say this could be beneficial, but there's no getting around the fact that the timing is just not great. I, I mean, I, I like if you were going to make this change, why wouldn't you have made it a couple months ago, like at a minimum? Why wouldn't you have well, made it I earlier? mean, because the, the, this is the timing of the, the, the service. I mean, they serve in three-year terms, and we we we've been telling you all spring long that summer break was coming, and the the new year in the in the the Pac-12 was beginning on July first, and I think that's why you're seeing this. But I think very much to your point, you look at this statement right here by uh, President Robbins to Dennis Dodd at CBS, asked about the speculation over the future of the conference. Robbins rejected the notion that schools, including Arizona, would bolt for the Big 12 prior to being presented with a media rights proposal. Quote, it's heavily dependent on Klyovkov and his team negotiating a good media deal for us to stay competitive. 
And if that was all Bobby Robbins said, I don't think anybody would have batted an eye on it. Right. But that was far from all he said. He then also told Dennis Dobbin at CBS, but he painted a nuanced picture for Arizona, citing the school's proximity to the Big 12 footprint and that league's powerhouse basketball brand as a basis for, quote-unquote, some affinities. The now infamous some affinities. And the problem with that is that guy, Bobby Robbins, is now on the Pac-12 board of directors, one of three presidents who really make decisions. And then, and if you don't know, and I, I, I'm not trying to oversimplify this, I'm trying to just tell you what the, the, the modus operandi here is. You have George Klyovkov and his staff, but he reports to the board of directors. Those three presidents that now include Bobby Robbins and Kurt Schultz from Washington State as the, the chair of the board of directors, they take the, the pretty much the edict and they bring it down to their pods of presidents. They each have a group of presidents that they work with, and that's how policy is dictated in the Pac-12. So when you have... Arizona, Stanford, and Washington State now, as the decision makers, essentially, they're going to approve a TV deal, and they're going to try and sell that to their pot of presidents. It just feels a little too reminiscent of Carol Fault at USC, or Carol Fault, excuse me, at USC. It feels a little too reminiscent with Bobby Robbins in Arizona. And the bigger thing is, you go back to this, what I think is now, you know, a, a very interesting statement um, by Jed Fish talking about how, you know, University of Arizona has a place to go. And remember, this guy's boss, Bobby Robbins, is now on the board of directors making decisions about who stays and who goes and TV deals and all of that. This is Bobby Robbins, his the football coach at Arizona, talking about leaving for the Big 12. Arizona's going to have a place to go. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell our recruits. <laughs> Be all right. That's what I tell our donors. <laughs> That's what I tell our families of you know current personnel. Mm-hmm. We have a great brand, and we have a great basketball program. We have a great softball program, a great baseball program, and I believe we have the opportunity to have an incredible football program. Yeah. We're fine. Yeah. Where we play <laughs> our road games, we'll wait and see for our president. But um, we are locked in and loaded for this season, and. Um, we're going to try to just be where our feet are, which is right now in the Pac-10. Pac-10. Like, it's just awkward. Yeah, dude. It's Right? And, <clears> then, <throat> and now that guy's boss, that guy's boss is sitting on the board of directors for the Pac-12. Um, right? It just feels like Carol Fult at USC and UCLA all over again. Pac-10. And I, I, I actually think, if all things were equal and, and the Pac-12 was prospering, I think this would be a great move because when you you look at, at Schultz, you look at Tessier Levine, and you look at Bobby Robbins at Arizona, they're all three very passionate about sports. Right. Two of those three spend heavy money on sports. Stanford does not spend heavy money on sports, but Washington State and Arizona spend heavy money on sports. I think sports just jumped up the rung of priorities in the Pac-12 on the board of directors significantly. Right. But what does it matter if Bobby Robbins takes Arizona to the Big 12, which I still think if this conference doesn't come together on a grant of rights, whatever George Klyovkov's TV deal winds up being, it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, and I think that when you're in a position to be in the information pipeline before the rest of your presidents are, you're in a, in an even bigger uh, as Jay Monahan would say, control position, right? You're getting the information 
uh, first, and then you're gonna go ahead and 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 have conversations and talk about it and work about it. And so, you know, again, I mean, just just picture this: like if 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 President Robbins already, let's just say as an example, I'm not saying he does, but as an example, if, if President Robbins is like 90-10, he wants to take Arizona to the Big 12. Let's say. Can you imagine how much easier that proposition is if you're getting the information faster now, right? Like, not not as though he was out of the loop, but you're sitting on the board now. Like, you're getting information as fast as possible, and now that allows you to operate. And so if one day you get a piece of information that says, you know, hey, we're only getting $20 million a year for our TV deal, all right, better get on the phone with Colorado, better get on the phone with Utah, better get on the phone with Arizona State, right? Probably Arizona State first because obviously they're in the state of Arizona. Yeah. Like, that, that's what I'm talking about. Like, when you get that kind of access, that gives you opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise have. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not sitting here saying that President Robbins is out to backstab the rest of his fellow presidents in the Pac-12, but it is an interesting parallel when you think about Carol Fulton, USC, and that how that whole thing went down, no doubt. Yeah, and that Kirk Schultz is now the chair of the board of directors in the Pac-12 is mind-blowing because you have a situation, and I want to remind you about this. We had it first exclusively on this show. The staff and faculty at Washington State were threatening to do a sit-in. We're threatening essentially not to work, not to work until the the budgets were reviewed in athletics because they were so upset allegedly about the spending that Kurt Schultz approved and the rubber stamp that he allowed athletics to have. And people are are still upset in at Washington State over the Nick Rolovich situation where Rolacock, the former football coach, and you know, the 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 jab, I hesitate to say the word here on YouTube, but you know, didn't want to the take, coronavirus. Didn't want to take the jab. Um, you know, and according to state law, he lost his job over it. Everybody gets a test. People were pissed about the way that Washington State handled that. Still are. There's a lawsuit going on. I, I just think that having this guy, Kirk Schultz, sit as the the chair of the board of directors in the Pac-12 is a is not the best situation for the Pac-12. Pac-10. It, re it really is not. And you add this on top of all the Klyavkok disasters and the San Diego State situation. Like, Back to the envelope calculations. You add all of this together, and you just say to yourself, bro, who's going to be the spokesman for this league? Because it's garbage. Because, well, seriously, <laughs> are, are, is it Klyavkov? He, I mean, the guy sticks his foot in his mouth every time he talks. We haven't heard from him in damn near six months. <laughs> Right? Do you want it to be Kirk Schultz, who every freaking time he's asked about the media deal, oh, 15 minutes from now, bro. Hey, it's um, been it's been half um, an hour. Yeah, give me um, 15 minutes. Like it's coming to um, next week, two days from now, a month from now, your mom's house. Yeah, look, the like, optics are never going to be better, so uh, we're not going right? to do the deal right this now. This is this is the same Kirk you Schultz know. who a week before Pat McAfee, a week before Pat McAfee was hired, is talking about oh. Man, ESPN, oh, dude, they're laying people off or we'd have a deal on the table now. Why is it dragged on so long? I think it's just the environment. It's the uncertainty in the economy, uh, the layoffs in the tech sector and other places. I mean, look at the major media companies have almost all laid off people and so have some of the major players in the tech sector. And, you know, I know at least one of the partners we were talking to said, we're ready to sign today. 
with the optics of us announcing that we're laying off X number of people and we signed, you know, this multi-million dollar deal with the Pac-12 are just simply not the best. So we're going to have to wait six weeks. Now, I'm not sure if six weeks make that much difference or whatever your time frame is, but clearly the optics was something that those groups are really worried about. Congratulations, but that's bullshit. I mean, we're going to get Pat McAfee $150 million, but man, that janitor, he's cooked. Right? Like, all oh, the Dude, optics. what are you doing, bro? We're really worried about the optics what? of giving Pat McAfee $150 million and signing. Come on, dude. Don't lie to me. Come on, dude. Come on, bro. And, uh, so this is now the guy that's like top dog among so presidents. Got, you've got him. Unbelievable. You've got Robbins. Bro. Good old like, back of the envelope, bro. Like, Running dude, the conference, bro. right? Back like, of the envelope like, calculations. Come on, man. Saying, dude. Like, come on. Like, I, with all due respect, I know they serve in three-year terms. And, God, this was just an administrative process that... You know, it played out, man. It's like the seasons, dude. Yeah, well, here's the problem you can't get away from. When you signed your mile-long TV deal, like however long ago that was, you should have signed it with the understanding that, hey, we need to make sure that when we sign it, that our board's not going to roll over in the middle of that process because of administrative timelines. Like, come on, dude. And, but again, I go back to, you know, you know the, the wizard behind the curtain who does radio in the Northwest saying, oh, the Grand Tourage is done, bro. Hey, bro, it's done. <laughs> so wait, let me get this right. Major changes on the board of directors. Oh, but that grant of rights without a TV deal, it's done. Right? Like, this is the problem for the Pac-12. Yeah. It's a mess. All right. Uh, big shout out to Marlon Shaw, who gives away 10 memberships. Let's go, baby. Good start to the week. Let's go, Marlon. Good, Good to see to you, week. my big friend. Week on tap, man. Good start. Marlon also says, here's uh, making up for that extra penny, $20.01. Let's go, baby. Uh, thank you, Marlon. That's unbelievable, dude. Appreciate uh, you. Making up for uh, the penny I shorted you last week. Yeah, we were really upset about that. Yeah, we we don't <laughs> appreciate your back of the envelope calculations, dude. Do you know how many golf balls I lost this weekend and you're shorting me a penny? Are, are you kidding me? I try to stay mm -hmm. calm and not curse. I actually... I actually played... No, I'm not Say saying, No, I'm not saying it out loud. That's what no. fucking ticks me <laughs> to fuck off! I'm, no, I'm not... No, no. No. Um, <laughs> and then there's like Greg Hawkins, our guy, Greg Hawkins, right? We're talking yeah, about we playing, we talking go. about playing golf you know, next Greg's weekend. Greg's been riding us for like two months. Yeah. To, every hey, day. Man, he says, hey, man, take me to golf. Let's play. So Greg and I, he, he doesn't, but I'm like, Hey dude, hey guys, when are we going to play golf together? Cause we've talked about it. He's like, how about next weekend? I was all right, cool. So I make a tea time. 708 Saturday morning Canyons. Say, I'm just fired up to be here today. Canyons golf and Greg's like, I'm just gonna be honest with you, dude. I ain't getting out of bed at seven o'clock. No, I guess not. <laughs> bro, come on, bro. I I so love the honesty that Greg displayed right there. You're welcome. That was awesome. Okay, Marlon Shaw, golf ball money. Uh, he says, I shorted you a penny last week. iPad would not do even money. Wanted to get your tip in early as I can only be live for a bit. We'll catch the stream later tonight and get cut off. Be safe. Marlon, good to see you, my guy. Always good to see you. But don't cop out. Don't say the iPad can't do even amounts and then make a get your tip in early reference, dude. Like, I saw what you did there. You think you're going to fly under the radar right there? Come on, dude. Get I your, know you, Marlon. I your, know you, sir. Get, get your <laughs> Early is that like before eight eight a.m. It's it's. Uh, 
Uh, Cleveland Rocks, great show. If both of you had to put a percentage chance on Arizona and Colorado leaving for the Big 12, what would that be? Oh, man. Um, um, 30% max. I, I still maintain, and I know that this frustrates Big 12 fans, but I still maintain this. these 10 teams remain together because I think that's overwhelmingly what they want. Yeah. I I I know that it's it's crazy talk, but again, I'm just going to tell you, I think ten of these guys had rather stay together, and I think that includes Oregon and Washington, who everybody is certain is going to the Big Ten. I wouldn't be certain about that. I think I think are we talking about who's most likely to bail? Sure, you could put Arizona and Colorado in that conversation. Absolutely, who's done the most due diligence on the Big Twelve? Put Arizona and Colorado in that conversation. But it's all talk. All these guys do is talk, right? Who's got the balls? Do something about it. You want to complain about the Comcast situation? Do something about it. You want to complain about seat at the table and access? Do something about it. You know. You want to complain about money? Do something about it. But I I don't know that any of these presidents, if you get them to $25 million, I don't believe a single one will leave the conference. Not this time around. Because that's enough money where they can sell it. The problem is I look at people like Cal and I look at people like Washington State who are not financially well off in athletics. And I mean athletics alone. In athletics, Cal and, and, and Washington State are not well off. So they, in my opinion, have to take measures. But I don't think Cal and Washington State can act on their own. They're, they're not Oregon. They're not Washington. They're not Utah. Right, they're, they're not Stanford. Cal only does what Stanford tells them to do. Right, I, I look at Arizona State. Arizona State, for the most part, has zero leverage here. None. I think the Big 12 would not add Arizona State on its own. I truly do not believe that they would. I think that the Big 12 would add Arizona on its own today if they could. I don't think there's any doubt that they would do that. I think, I think they would add Colorado. I think they would add Gonzaga. I think they would do all of that. But it, it remains this stigma of who wants to be the first one to go. And I don't think any of these 10 want to be the first one to go. I think they have great admiration for the group. I think they have great respect for each other. And I think if they had their druthers, they would take their 25. And, hey, if they get 30, forget it. They're not going anywhere. Facts. They're not going anywhere. Well, and I think you got to remember the educational money, too. I mean, that's what everyone seems to forget about. There was in our members-only group chat, which you can be a member Join now. Hit the, what is it, the money button at the bottom. Yep. Uh, you know, become a member in our group chat. We have probably 100, 150 people or so, something like that in this group chat where, where you know, we had one of our listeners actually go digging for the exact number. And I believe the number was like $680 million and change last, last fiscal year that the Pac-12 brought in in educational money. So let's just be conservative. Let's just say it was $500 million, right? That's still a ton of money. I mean, that's a half a bill, bro. Like, so to me, these I presidents agree. are not like, oh man, we gotta have seventy mil a year. Would seventy mil be great? Yeah, but if they can just get something passable, they would rather stay together than leave. That said, again, back to the Robbins on the board thing. President Robbins is on the board now, so if if they are going to be short, that exit out, in my opinion will be large like if you only have 20 million a year 
I, I'm I, I my opinion is is that you'd have a group of four leave. I'm not saying it's the four corner schools because I'm not exactly confident Utah's no. gonna make the jump. But I do think Arizona would go, and that inherently means Arizona State's going because they're basically connected at the hip. And then it's just it's as as Buddy up north would say, uh, the dominoes would buddy, start falling. Buddy up north. Yeah, Buddy up north. Um, all I would say is that. All of these guys had had better get bucked up and they had better get their buck shots because they're going to have to think clearly and they're going to have to have their mind working yes! like really well. Yes! And okay, stuff. You even got me with that one. That you, was that you, was that's some of your best work, dude. Buckshot from our friends at Bucked Up Energy, the official energy provider of the Monty Show. Again, I did it on Saturday. I did it on Sunday. I played awesome golf. We. Uh, no, you didn't. Uh, we played. I okay. We, well, me and Miss We, me, me and see what had happened was me and Mrs. Monty. Somebody didn't. I'm a man. Piss off his girlfriend, but that's not really the, the case. My point was more that we drank the buckshot, um, and I love what it does for you. You know, when you're having a bat, you already drank yours. Oh yeah, dude, I knocked it down. I needed it, bro. It's hot in here today. Time here today. We're uh, studio is a little warmer than usual today. There may have been some technical difficulties with, uh, you know, something that puts out cool air once in a while. Uh, yeah, so it's a little warm in here. One of the reasons we moved studios is because our previous studio space was always hot. Yeah, Sahara. Always like in the 80s. Easily. Last week, uh, we had some heat. They took in our new studio space, in our new office tower here in South Jordan. The, you know, the dude, like, went out of his way. Like, I mean, massive work. Yeah. Moved heaven and earth. It is the hottest day we've ever had in the studio. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the air conditioner on our floor, and apparently every floor it's in this building floor, has, like, their own air conditioning setup. The air conditioner on our floor is broken. Broken. So the new thermostat they installed in our office suite doesn't matter. You're so fucked. Like, <laughs> it is. It is so hot in here. Yeah. Then you turn on the lights. Then you're moving around using high. It's fine. We'll we'll be fine. I'll sweat off um, the pounds with Richard uh, Simmons. When you say, hey, you already drank yours? Yeah, you're damn right I already drank mine, man. Yeah, uh, and he means buckshot from uh, Bucked Up Energy. And I'll tell you, Saturday was an interesting day. Like, it was warmer out. Uh, we were up, of course, at our favorite golf course, Canyons Golf in Park City. Um, playing a decent front nine got to eight nine ten started struggling and i said to myself you know what got to get a buck shot in. i'm a man got to get a buck shot in stepped up to the the 10th tee which is a dog leg right about 400 yards and absolutely smoked yes! a drop yes! right down the middle within 70 yards right oh, of course down the no, of course. <laughs> yeah, I shit all over that iron shot. Like, that thing was terrible. <laughs> That's not really the point. The point is, the drive after the buckshot was amazing. Um, and it, all buckshot does for you, it gives you that mental lift. Because all it is is 100 milligrams of caffeine wrapped in awesome, awesome ingredients that really help your mind get a lift. And that's what's great about buckshot. It's 2.30 in the afternoon. You've just had lunch. About an hour ago, you got back from lunch. You know you're feeling that carb crash. Get a buck shot. It'll knock that carb crash out. You'll feel better. Have you had a low-grade headache all day? 
hey man, pop a buckshot. It's gonna help your mind. That headache's gonna ease a little bit. Like those are all results that I have felt on a daily basis using buckshot. By the way, I weighed myself this morning, lost three more pounds since Friday when I weighed myself. What do you bet? And I'm telling you, if you are not using the buck bars from Bucked Up, and I know you guys think I'm crazy. Oh, you're, they're paying you to say that. Oh, no, truly. No, truly. Truly, I'm not even being it's crazy. Real. It's real. It, these bars, I hate protein bars. Yeah. I hate protein bars until I found the Buck Bar. And Ryan, the CEO at Bucked Up, who is the, I believe he's the Utah CEO of the year. Yeah. Um, Got me the hookup on the Buck Bar at the warehouse sale. I've never looked back. How many bars do you think you've tried in your life? I mean, is it is it a hundred? Oh, 100? dude, it's got to be a hundred. And I and I have never had a bar. You know how crappy protein bars they're are. They're terrible. Yeah, they're brutal. They don't taste good, or they're chalky, or they're just super sweet because they put all these artificial sweeteners. Yeah, drink in like them a and, you know half gallon of water just to get the thing down. Full of sugar, yeah. like. Not not the buck bar. And you look at this graph, the dates are absolutely critical because they're natural sweeteners. Yeah. It's whey protein isolate, the number one ingredient on the on the label of a buck bar. Whey protein isolate, reliable energy, great nutrition, quality ingredients. They're in they're really, really the best phrase is right there. It is guilt-free indulgence. And it's the only bar I've ever said, man, I love that bar. I wish it uh, maybe I'll have another one. Right, I had my bucked up protein shake this morning with my collagen peptides. Daring up at Darren up at Canyons Golf was breaking balls the other day because I will admit, I said to Darren when he, he put in the chat several months ago, "Oh, using the collagen peptides for <laughs> bucked up, <laughs> dude, it's real." Like hair, skin, nails. Went to my barber this weekend to get clipped for Big Twelve Football Media Days. Barber's like, "Man, your hair is just—it's different. What are you doing different?" Collagen peptides from Bucked Up. I'm telling you, use the promo code MONTY20 to get 20% off at checkout at buckedup.com. John Teal, just let Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal go to the Big Ten. Then the other six go to the Big 12. Toss in Gonzaga and UConn and be done with it. <laughs> you like how it's almost like a, it's like a dinner recipe, bro. Okay, okay, okay. Guys, 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 guys. Okay. Half a cup of Oregon and Washington, quarter cup of Stanford, quarter cup of Cal, right? Right, And now you've got your appetizer with the Big Ten. I, I love know, that, bro. Appreciate that. I, I just don't think that's ever going to happen. I, I truly don't. I think it's going to be so difficult yeah. to get these presidents to move. Because it's not something you do lightly. You don't leave a con I think everybody thinks it's just like printing new letterhead or something. Pack up the U-Haul. It's not something you do lightly, man. It is a big freaking deal. Yeah. That you're changing that USC and UCLA are changing completely changing their identities and their brands. I mean, hell. BYU couldn't even get the Big 12 stamp on their feel right. <laughs> Did Dude. you see how pissed big Dude. big uh BYU fans Dude, were? Dude, I would be pissed. It's embarrassing, bro. Like, be the better. guys painted the Big 12 logo on the field, and they put one on the 15 and one on the 25. You're a douche. Whoops. Come on, bro. You know, whoops. Accidental. But I'm just saying. Um, I. It's not something you do lightly. And I think a lot of us, a lot of us think it's lightly. Uh, let's see. Uh, Cougar Tracks says Snickerdoodle is the best. Oh, the Buck Bar, you mean? Yeah. Absolutely. 
Um, I think that is that is absolutely right. Um, and I think that I, the everything bar is really good. Uh, or what is that bar that I have? Dream. Dream bar. Thank you. The, I have like a whole box of dream bars sitting over there. Um, the dream bar is really good, but I, I don't disagree with you. Um, I think the, I think the snickerdoodle is really good. There's that they're, they, the way they flavor their bars with things like dates. I mean that there's not a bad flavor. Um, can you use your influence to get other products sweetened with stevia or monk fruit? Ooh, monk fruit, monk fruit. I can try. Uh, Tom Dean. How big, big of a tip would I need to give you to replace a, quote, Norman with Lawrence? Uh, that's large on the screen. Lawrence is, I think Lawrence is almost right. Can you measure it? I don't know if it's in the shot or not, but Lawrence is on the wall like three times. So, you know, everybody's like, there's too many Normans on the wall. We get yeah, it. Yeah, we get it. We get it. We're uh, on truck it. Stop Gumby says buckshot with a cocaine chaser. Uh, okay. I would cocaine recommend. milkers, my friend. Yeah, I you know, I wouldn't recommend it. Christopher Shannon says, where is Jet lately? Busy. Busy, dude. That dude Lane is tile. the tile. Teddy Wayman, the tile king of Utah. Uh, Tanner Plummer, my wife has been working a lot lately. She needs to get her some bucked up. She does. And I'm telling you, you guys, it is it is just so good. It makes a huge difference, man. Like, literally, like, I'd, I, I won't even beat around the bush, right? Had a 52 on the front nine. Absolute trash. Played horrible on the front nine. Back nine, smooth. Pretty good. Pretty good. Jake hit. I, I, and I'm not even trying to exaggerate. It had to be a 325-yard drive. Yeah, the hole from the Blues. 17 at Canyons is 470 from the Blues. And we were 125, 130 out. That's you, drive. And that's my usual drive. Now, the drive is downhill a little bit. So. Yeah, it's an elevated tee box. But right? let's, so let's not, call it 320. Yeah. Yeah, best it drive was, that I've hit in my life. Dude. It was absolutely a bomb. Yeah. It was yeah. a bomb, and I'm telling you, Buckshot makes a difference. Uh, let's see, Curtis uh, D316. I'm going to laugh if the Big 12 announces Colorado and Arizona to the Big 12 during media days this week. They will not. No, that's not how that works, dude. That, I, I just don't think you they will. You can't have – so everyone, everyone's kind of been pondering that or making kind of tongue-in-cheek jokes about it. And if you really think about it logistically, a conference would never announce it that way because of the hysteria that would ensue. Yeah. You, you have to control not only the media, but just, just the whole thing. I mean, you can't have, I mean, dude, what, I mean, how many people do you think would, would attend a Big 12 football media day? A thousand? Thousands. A thousand? Thousands? I'm really, I am really, I cannot tell you how many people have reached out to us and said, hey, we're going to be in Dallas. Hey, uh, you got five minutes? Hey, I'd really like to meet you. Hey, let's have dinner. Let's. Yeah. I cannot tell you. It's got to be 30, 40 people. Like, hey, can't wait to meet you. Hey, want to come by? Where are you guys going to be located? It's unbelievable. Yeah. And, and it's not about me. It's the scope of Big 12 football media days. Do you? And I know we've talked about this ad nauseum on the show, and I'm sure you're probably tired of hearing me say it, but, man, I'm telling you that the Big 12 is exploding right before your eyes. And when, when we compare, you know, conferences or – you cannot compare the Pac-12 and the Big 12 anymore. The Pac-12 has gotten left behind just by being a victim of their circumstance. It does not mean that the Pac-12 is some crappy conference. It does not mean that the universities there are terrible. They're a victim of circumstance with this, this TV slash media deal thing. Yeah. 
and you look at Rucker Park, you look at Mexico, you look at commercial division, you look at a commercial sales director and now a commercial sales team, like every day there is an announcement or at least it feels that way. It's really every week Fast. there's an announcement. You you have not even had Brett Yormark on staff for a year yet. Yeah. He was hired August 1st last year, right? Like you have not even had him in the house a year and you have been sprinting. Now, I understand there's people in the Big 12 that tell us all the time he moves a little too fast for comfort for some of the people in this conference. But notice, nobody's saying no. Nobody's like, no, we're not going to Monterey. No, we're not going to Rucker Park. They're doing it. We're going to Dallas for, for you know, pro day. I mean, isn't it how you'd want it to be, though? I mean, well, if, yeah. If you're, like, if, you're, if you're a president of a school and you appoint a new commissioner in Brett Yormark, wouldn't you want to have to reel him in versus like getting him going? Certainly. Like, wouldn't you Certainly. want like like I think that's why I think the Big Twelve is in such a better position because it's like, hey, we've got this guy in Brett Yormark who you know no matter what you think of Brett or his timeline or, or resume, like the dude's accomplished. He knows how to get deals done, and I think that's what's really giving him the upper hand. Now, obviously, better situation. Okay, cool. There's advantages. Awesome. Dude still had to go out and make the Rucker Park deal. Dude still had to go out and make the Mexico City deal. Like, he's had to go and do these things. And so if I'm the Big 12, I'm thrilled with what he's doing. And I'm thrilled with the idea that that his focus is always on, hey, how much money can we make on this? Like, whether it's a small opportunity or a big opportunity, right? It's like, again, in our members-only group chat, you know, the internet. We've had to pay like $1,000 for internet at Big 12 Media Day. And people are like, dude, you can't just use a hotspot? Like, you really have to pay that much? It's like, yeah, dude, because these conferences want to make as much money as possible on every little thing, and I don't blame them. Am I happy to pay a thousand bucks for internet? Not really, but what choice do I have? And they know that. So with Brett, it's like, hey, everything that we do, we have to make money on. And then if I can go out four, five times a year, maybe twice a quarter, if I can go out and make money on events and things that grow the conference's footprint whether that's geographically, uh, social media-wise, whatever it may be, then that's going to put the conference in a great place. And that's why I think that the Big 12 is just uh, like just is just is running away but from I, the I, pack. Like I look at this, I'm re I have a press release in front of me for Big 12. Uh, the Big 12 conference launches on-campus tour of Big 12 Homecoming. Yeah. Every fall, they're going to visit four campuses where they're going to have a celebration. Now, obviously, this fall, they're going to go to Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU. Yeah. And they're going to celebrate those conferences, the conference on those campuses and celebrate those programs. And those, it, like, they just get it, you know? And, and the, the, the funny thing is, like, you just look at all of the, the news that's coming out. Like, I cannot tell you how many people – I cannot wait on, on Wednesday – to talk to Kalani Sataki, to talk to Sonny Dykes, Dana Holgerson, like the names, like you don't see coaches skipping. You don't see big players skipping, you know, and it, it just is really impressive to me that the Big 12 executes. Everything they do is about execution. That's what's changed. The Big 12 is about precision. The Pac-12 is trying to get a media rights deal for the last 12 months. It's Brutal. over a year Brutal, now bro. that they've been chasing this deal. <coughs> Yet 
it just it's not even comparable in my opinion yeah it really is not comparable it is it's just one of those things where and again i'm not trying to knock the pac-12 and i know it sounds like that and i am you're exactly right i am trying to be me- i see the comments saying don't be kind or i'm trying to be measured because i think it's easy to pile on top of the pac-12 and be like oh they're this trash conference it's not that's just not the fact of the case you have 10 schools that are really high quality. Anybody watching the show would love their kids or themselves to go to that university and get a four-year degree. If you were if you 100%. were trying to be a lawyer, if you were trying to be an MBA, if you were trying to be a doctor, a nurse, an actor, a director, there's no finer institutions, an engineer throughout the Pac-10. Thanks. But this conference athletically has just been piss poor and really poorly run. Pac-10. I, I mean, incompetent. Yeah. Absolutely just incompetent. For what? 15 years? Yes. I mean Yes. Even before the the la- the last round of expansion, you could see the the cracks in the facade. And Larry Scott and the Aria and the private jets and the San Francisco office building and there was just no reason for it. It didn't need to happen. But now you don't even have the ability or the facilities, the faculties, the tools to un-F yourself. Yeah, right? well, like, I, I mean, mean, that's the best way to say it. Like, you, you don't, don't even have it. But that's what I'm saying. Like, again, not to keep, you know, being redundant with it, but that's another reason why I think putting Robbins on the board, whether you want to, uh, you want to, you know, gift wrap it in, hey, it's just administrative process and we rotate every three. I don't buy that crap, dude. That may be, you know, the timeline, but you can't tell me that, that there wasn't some thought the, on when you were negotiating this the last TV deal, the one you're ending right now. You're telling me there was zero thought given well, to, hey, by the way, when we're negotiating our new deal, right, our new media rights deal, our board's going to roll over because it's one of those years. If they didn't have any thoughts of that, that would just be incredible because that's the type of thing that, again, a commissioner should really be saying yes or like a president should be bringing up like those are things that you have to think about so when when we were talking about this before the show i was like dude are, are we really surprised right now like is this supposed to be like some shocking development because this is how the pac-12 does business and that's the that's why you're here bro like that's why yeah a friend of mine in tv just sent me a text message saying had never thought about the fact that Brett Yormark hasn't been on the job a year and has been able to accomplish this while the Pac-12 has stood still. Yeah, and I would contend. People just don't think about that. Just an opinion. I don't think the Pac-12 has stood still. They're going backwards. Well, absolutely. They're going backwards, You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. You're not – in our business, you're not standing still. You just don't – you either are progressing or regressing. I I would agree with that. It begs the question, how how long is it going to take the Pac-12 to to recover from – this time because oh, there they'll, is they'll going never to be they'll never recover wow. they will never recover the wow. pac-12 let's get something straight as as quality as the members of this conference are and they are top notch they will never recover from the damage that was done over the last five years in this conference from the comcast deal to, i mean the the lawsuit with the holiday bowl the poor decision making the the lack of decisiveness throughout the pandemic um, the damage that was done there, that just the 
All of it. Yeah. All of it, man. I could chapter and verse I could list it. Yeah. You'll this conference will never be what it what it should have been and what it once could have been. Yeah. It the Pac twelve will never recover. Don't don't sugarcoat it. Because it's not disrespectful to tell the truth. The truth is the truth any way you want it, right? They're never going to be what they could have been. If Larry Scott had never taken over the helm of this conference, I think we're having a very different conversation. I, frankly, and I think the, the most ardent of Big 12 supporters would agree with me on this, the Big 12 should probably be where the Pac-12 is. When you think about the brands that this conference in the Big 12 has lost, come on, bro. Yeah. How yeah. do you survive that? Yeah. You just take one day at a time. You take one day at a time. And whether it is the Pac-12 snubbing their nose at the Mormons, God damn it, we mm -hmm. want caffeine in this conference. Mm -hmm. I cannot tell God you bless. how many jokes were made to me personally. Uh, and I'm not Mormon. I am not a BYU fan. But in talking to people around the conference, I cannot tell you five years ago, 10 years ago, how many jokes were made about BYU and the magic underpants and in the Book God's of Mormon. And name, image, and likeness. Those yahoos won't even play on Sunday. Well, apparently the Big 12 didn't have a problem with it. Now, did the Big 12 pick him up when Bronco was begging the Austin American statesman? No. But there is no question now. One of the singular biggest mistakes the Pac-12 made was that they cast off BYU and never even considered adding them. Thanks. And it's going to cost them millions per season yeah. in football alone. Yep. And I, I would guess at some point BYU will figure out basketball, but it's going to cost them millions in football revenue alone. Yeah. And I think you look at that arrogance, you look at that attitude, they'll never be what they should have been. Yeah. This, they, they will just, they'll never recover. Yeah. Um, Zach Sloter. Zach, how are you? Gives us $5. Appreciate that very much, my guy. Off topic, but still Big 12 related. What do you think about the whole Bob Huggins situation? Go Cyclones. Well, we, we were talking get about to that, this. bro. We were talking about this over the weekend. I'm dumbfounded by it. And if you don't know the story, Huggy Bear wants his job back. Huggy Bear. Bob Huggins. <laughs> it's not been a good few months for Bob. And yeah. I think we all know the stories, the, the slurs against Xavier. Um, I mean, the, the DUI, the resignation now, not resignation. Over the weekend, Bob Huggins threatened a lawsuit because he says he never resigned, that there was never a resignation. And he is demanding his job back as the basketball coach at, uh, coach at West Virginia. To which I say, Bob, go find a hole and pull a rock over it with yourself inside because you're done. You're done. You should never influence another minor ever. You should never influence another high school kid to come and let you mentor him into manhood because you're a terrible human being. Thanks. Now, you may be an addict, Sure. Are you an alcoholic? I'd have to believe so, in my opinion. But from what you've said and what you've done, you don't deserve the privilege of being the basketball coach at an esteemed institution like West Virginia. You just don't. You haven't earned it. You haven't, in my opinion, shown the respect, the humility. You haven't, for a number of years, shown the ability at West Virginia. You're not 
Cincinnati Bearcat Bob Huggins. You're a shell of what you used to be. In my opinion, you're an alcoholic. In my opinion, you are an absolute dreg of basketball coaches. Facts. You are bad for the business. You are bad for the fraternity. You are bad for college athletes. Go fuck all the way off, Bob, because nobody wants you at West Virginia. And I don't know how many people in your life are willing to tell you that. Because you were once a great basketball coach. Bob, you're not an embarrassment. You're a humiliation for West Virginia. And you don't deserve it. You took your alma mater for granted. They gave you your dream job, and you chose to abuse the privilege of your dream job. And for that, you should never work again. No parent should ever send their kid to you, Bob, because you're going to teach them to drink and drive because that's exactly what you allegedly did. And it's not alleged what you did in Cincinnati on that radio station. No matter how irresponsible that radio station was, Bob, they didn't put those words on the tip of your tongue. You did. You didn't, you know, have a gun to your head and accidentally drop gay slurs against Xavier. No, you did that willingly of your own volition. And what did you really do there? Did you use gay slurs against Xavier? Ding, exactly. But what did you really do there, Bob? You showed us what a piece of shit you actually are. You showed us that, and then you went and reinforced it by allegedly getting a flagrant DUI. What you should have done is you should have willingly and thankfully and humbly walked away from West Virginia basketball. You should have wrote a Dear John letter and said, hey, it's not you, it's me. But you didn't do that. And now, Bob, you want to go and you want to sue people. And you want to say you were forced to resign. You know the problem with that, Bob? All you're doing is revealing yourself once again. Because you should have resigned willingly. You should have lobbed a phone call the minute the lights went on behind your car. And that terrible moment where you thought, well, I'm Bob Huggins and I'll get out of it because I'm Bob Huggins and I'm the basketball coach at West Virginia. Instead of that, you should have said, you know what? I made a terrible mistake. Hey, uh, this cop's about to arrest me. I want to let you know I've resigned as a basketball coach at, at West Virginia. Okay, I'll write a letter. I'll send you an email in the morning once I get out of the drunk tank. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> but now you're going to sue and you're going to jump up and down because you're Bob Huggins and somehow you found whatever, I don't know, asshole gene it is that makes you feel entitled to be the basketball coach and say that you were forced to resign even though your athletic director and the president and your fan base and your players and your family and your friends are not the one pouring poison down your throat and then allegedly getting behind the wheel of a car and allegedly getting a flagrant DUI, you dick. That was you. But you're just too arrogant to recognize that. And now you're going to punish West Virginia some more. And Bob, frankly, I don't care what happens to you from this point forward. If we had never heard the name Bob Huggins again until, you know, there was some time maybe to hang a jersey with, with a bottle of Jack or whatever your favorite bottle is next to you, fine, great. But now you need to just disappear and we should never hear your name again. There should be no jersey in the rafter. There should be no Hall of Fame. There should be no Ring of Honor because you're a disgrace. 
And your days of damaging West Virginia, the great state of West Virginia, the great University of West Virginia, you should have no more negative impact on them. But your egomaniacal attitude and your belief system and your arrogance, and I'm guessing I could be wrong, but in my opinion, this has to be drunken stupor, Bob Stoops, saying to himself, oh, I'm not done. Yeah, you are, Bob. It's over, as you should be. And unfortunately, he's not, and we'll probably have to go to court on it. 2.7 times the legal limit. 0.21. Not a I, little bit. 0.21. Like not, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm legal limit because he got arrested in Pennsylvania, technically. Legal <laughs> limit in Pennsylvania is 0.08. Buddy Good here is Lord. 0.21, bro. Like, dude, come on, man. Yeah. I don't have a lot to say because, well, you said it all for me. And, I couldn't agree more. And you and I both know what this is. Yeah. And the, here's what I'm hoping it is. Not that this makes it right or civil. This has to be about the money for Bob Huggins. Because what else could it be? You can't tell me this, this guy thinks he should get his job back. Nobody is that stupid. Nobody is that arrogant. You don't, Bob, tell me you don't really think you should get your, your job back. After the Xavier thing, they should have put your ass out to pasture after the Xavier thing. <laughs> that would have been, hey, who here would have argued? Yeah. Oh, let's drop gay slurs on the Catholics at Xavier. Yeah, you probably can't be a basketball coach anymore, sir. But they did just sell and let you keep your job because you're, you're Bob Huggins. But you're Bob Huggins. Yeah. So you went out and you got a point two one. Allegedly. Dude, like you can't, you can't tell me you think you should get your job back. And by the way, what they should have done is fired you for cause. Yeah. But they allowed you to resign. They were nice to you. They gave you the opportunity to save face. And now you're coming back to get your paycheck. Get out of here. Get out of here. I couldn't agree more, bro. Come on, man. We do this too much in our country, man. You can't tell me. And, and <clears throat> there are a few things I don't tolerate. You know that usually, hey, I think people make mistakes. This isn't a mistake. I think people lose their mind for five minutes. This isn't losing your mind for five minutes. Bob Huggins is an alcoholic, in my opinion. Bob Huggins has an addiction. He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt anymore. Because it ain't like Bob Huggins is, again, he ain't Cincinnati Bob Huggins. <laughs> He's not. Like, Cincinnati. Who are we kidding? He's not Cincinnati Bob Huggins anymore. Even if he was, fuck him. You don't drop gay slurs on, on Xavier and then go get a 2.1, allegedly. When they, when they gave you your job back after the Xavier thing, they let you keep your job. And you, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I was just caught up. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. You're a hateful human being. Doesn't make you feel responsible. And I know you're a hateful human being because now you got a point two one. And you're still attacking West Virginia. Your supposed dream job where you just always wanted. Mm. No, come on, man. It, this is that all this is is arrogance. Yep. That's all this is. And if it's not, I don't know what else. What else could it be? Yeah, I mean, he signed a two-year deal for uh, at the end of 2021 for point four point two million dollars a year. And then they knocked it down, you'll remember, after the Xavier thing. Yeah. Right? Dude, just dis Are you broke? I don't think it's because of the money. I think it's because of the pride. I think it's because he thinks guys in his position, like Bob Huggins understands 
that that he's a hall or was i shouldn't say he is was a hall of fame caliber head coach right legend in the game you know a lot more winning than losing great things at different programs great but that's all down the drain and i gotta think for bob he's upset about that so what do you do when you're upset you do things you shouldn't do and that's what this is you really think this now okay man i hope you're wrong (laughs) because if this guy really thinks hey i'm bob huggins i should be coaching basketball somewhere yeah come on man that can't be true all right, we'll come back, get your thoughts on Bob Huggins. Uh, also want to come back, we got to talk about this Pat Fitzgerald situation at Evanston uh, because that is a wreck. The Monty Show, this hour of the show, as always, presented by Papa Murphy's. At Papa Murphy's, we do more than just pizza. We do calzones. Papa Murphy's does calzones? Oh, I think you mean I do the calzones. And how do you do it, Dad? How do I do it? How do I do it? Well, we do it with fresh ingredients and hand-shredded cheese tucked in a scratch-made dough. That's how, honey. At Papa Murphy's, we make great pizza. You don't forget the calzones. Order now at PapaMurphy's.com. Papa Murphy's Pizza, the official pizza of the Monty Show. Download the Papa Murphy's app, you guys. We did it this weekend. Amazing. I, I, I cannot tell you, and I hope the calzones are here to stay. I really do because you put the, you combine the marinara meatball and the calzones together. I say it every day on this show and people literally, quite literally every weekend, people are like, oh man, dude, I actually did what you said to do. I combined the calzones and the, the marinara meatball. That's a bad, I know I'm fat. I get it. I know how to eat pizza and calzones with marinara meatball on top of it is amazing. And you can get it uh, with a 25% off discount when you use the promo code MONTY25 at Papa Murphy's Pizza, the official pizza of the Monty Show. The Monty Show, as always, is presented by our good friends at The Advocates, theadvocates.com. Make sure that you guys get to theadvocates.com. They have a really neat program starting uh, with The Road Home. You know how much The Road Home, and if you don't know The Road Home, they really work with people Uh, that are in need to do things like get their kids back to school, get their kids the backpacks, the school supplies, the clothing, the basic essentials that they need for school. Yes, we're at that time of year. It's July 10th. Kids are getting ready to go back to school. And there's a lot of parents in this country who can't afford to provide for their kids the basic necessities, pencils, pens, papers, backpacks, lunch money, all those things. The Road Home and the Advocates are working together to try and provide school for all of the youth. Make sure that you get to theadvocates.com. They're running a program called the Apple Tree Campaign. Visit the Advocates uh, to pick an apple for the road home tree. Each apple will reflect a child's needs to go back to school. If you have the means and you can help put kids back in school, please do it. It's so important, the socialization, getting your kids around other kids with self-esteem. And I don't know what a lot of people's upbringings were, but you all remember the kid in school who had holes in his clothes or wore dirty clothes or wasn't always, you know, in a good mood because his home life was tough. Always borrowing pencils and pens. I think we've all had those situations. Let's eliminate that from school so kids can stay happy, healthy, innocent as long as possible. Get to theadvocates.com, utahadvocates.com, help them help Utah homeless kids succeed in school with the road home. The road home, you guys, if you don't know the road home, man, dude, it is, I I think I've been, this would be my 11th year um, living in Utah. 
And the road home is special, man. Like, they just, dude. Yeah. I can't say enough. We'll talk about it for the next couple of weeks at least, but really help kids get that confidence level. When you don't have clothes like your friends do, when you don't have shoes like your friends do, when everybody's eating their lunch and you don't have lunch like your friends do, think about what that feels like to a 10-year-old kid. You know, you know that feeling of insecurity, that feeling you're getting picked on, or maybe your hair isn't what it should be. Maybe your, your outfit, your self-esteem, like maybe you just don't know how to present yourself. The Road Home, the advocates, they're partnering to do that. Please, if you can help. I don't ask you guys to spend money. I don't ask you guys to help us often. But, man, please consider getting to theadvocates.com and helping if you can. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, Jeremiah Champion, as someone uh, who is about to go into the educational field, one of the best quotes that was ever uh, talked to me was, you have no idea what the kids, uh, what the kind of life your students have outside of school is. Oh, man. Yeah. Dude, you have no idea what goes on behind, behind closed doors. You know, and, and I think we've all, as kids, heard our parents fight or – you know, like you have no idea what happens at home, you know, and, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you I had a tough, tough childhood. I did not have a tough childhood, but I, we've all had those moments. We've all had those moments where, you know, things are not great at home and maybe you didn't get to do your homework that night, or maybe you didn't, you know, maybe you didn't feel good about being at home. Let's, let's try and help kids, man. And, and Jeremiah, I think, Hey, thank you for going into edu- education. That's awesome. Um, you know, like it's just, it's huge. Selfless. And it's, it's that little thing, food. We don't, we don't think about food because we take it for granted. When a kid doesn't have the food they require or a kid, you know, we provide a lot of school lunches now, but when a kid doesn't have that candy bar or that granola bar, or, you know, like I, I, I remember when you were a kid, it was Lunchables, you know, like remember when Lunchables were, were the thing. Oh yeah. And the kids who had Lunchables were cool. And think about that. That's the difference between having a good day and a bad day and having a bad week and a bad month and a bad year. And all of us that work hard and we have means, dude, we should absolutely participate. Should absolutely participate. Uh, All right, let's get some of your comments in here. Stan, Stan's back. Ah, the clickbait show is on the air. Routine turnover at Pac-12 HQ repped as major change. So wait, let me get this right, Stan. So President Kose, who is against a streaming deal, is what I would say at best indifferent to sport. That's putting it nicely. Indifferent to sport at Washington. Yeah. Who has had everything from Jimmy Lake and that disaster mismanaged it now she's off the board and bobby robbins the guy who's most likely to leave the conference takes her seat on the board and the guy who's now the board of director the the president of the board of directors is one of the worst management presidents in the pac-12 that's not change at all that's nothing that's just routine shit in the pac-12 that's what you're saying tell me you don't know what you're talking about tell me you don't have any idea how the Pac-12 works without telling me you have no idea how the Pac-12 works. Yeah. So, hey, thanks for watching the show. Thank you for clicking on the clickbait. And thanks for commenting because you just told YouTube it's a good show and more people should see it. Okay. 
Uh, truck stop Gumby. I felt like a badass when I got to eat the Lunchable with the little mint, right? <laughs> Excellent strategy, sir. Dude, I can, I'm 50 years old. I just turned 50. When I was in high school, the ability to afford a, a pizza puff, it was called. Oh, and we've talked about this on the so show. So good. The ability to afford the pizza puff, that was... I'm for real. That's all we all ever ate. We had crinkle-cut French fries and pizza puffs served to us in the lunchroom. I'm for real. But we had to pay for lunch. So I didn't care what I had to do. Five days a week, I was getting my hands on a pizza puff. And I can remember, I worked at a baseball card shop at one point. And my friend Brent didn't always have money. Another, geez, and I'm not going to say his name, but a friend of ours, his mom went to jail for fraud. Mm -hmm. And he was broke. He went and lived with his aunt, and he was broke. Three of us, Brent, me, and this, this other kid, Lauren, um, used to buy him lunch every single day so that he could sit at our table because he was on our team, right? He was on the... God, the sitting at your table. Yeah, bro, he, was on the, he was on the soccer team. And so we would all sit at this one table and I, I vividly remember this kid being so thankful. And every day, every single day, he would say, please don't buy me that. Please don't do it. I, and we would do it. And then finally, one day he came to school and I will never forget it. He had four or $5 bills and he bought all of us pizza puff and French fries. Yeah! It was one of the coolest moments of my, of my entire life. One, and I will never forget the look on his face when we walked in the lunchroom and he had purposely gotten there early. He was waiting for us at the table. And he did that whole thing where he like snapped the bills and he handed each one of us a $5 bill. Mm -hmm. It was, and yes, we took it and we felt good taking it and he felt good giving it. Yeah, It was amazing. And what had happened is he had gotten a job at a place called this, this hot dog stand called Scotty's Red Hots. Oh, my God. He had gotten a job there. He, 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 and I, I don't know. I can't remember if it was his age or what. Um, but he had finally got, gotten the ability to get a job. And he had gotten paid. And so we used to go there. And the owner kind of knew the story, I think. So he used to let us eat for free. It was just a that's – what, that's what it should be about. Yeah. So – Anyway, there you go. Um, Bryce Martin, completely missed the point of the conversation. Misses the idea that the presidents in the Pac-12 cannot control the media narrative and mismanaged everything to this point. And then you <laughs> still want to make a change on your board under the guise of administrative process in the middle of a negotiation. Come on. Yeah. Bryce, you're not wrong. J.K. Marshall, mom went to jail for fraud because she wasn't a woman. Well, maybe. I don't know. No, that's not. It was... <clears throat> don't. No, I'm not going to do Don't it. do it. Because uh, I don't want to out this guy. Uh, Bob Huggins left K-State after one year. That could have been a disaster for K-State program, and Huggy Bear didn't care. True. <coughs> Absolutely true. Um, Caesar, how are you, bud? Uh, just throwing it out there, UTSA is a big market untapped, a way better market than SMU. I've said a, a hundred <laughs> times on the show. We made it 72 minutes. Without a without an SMU reference, but how many times have I said I it? I mean, UTSA yeah. is a far better program. What would I do without you? Far better value proposition. I've said a hundred times. Program UTSA 
is a better value proposition than MassMU. Is it a better school? Is it? I, I don't care. I don't know. I don't care. Value, untapped market, athletics. Go look at what UTSA Athletics does because mm-hmm. they're a juggernaut. That is absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Uh, Cougar Tracks, the power of the pizza puff. Yes. Yes. Ranch. Um, Bob Huggins to the Pac-10. No. 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 Um, Pac-10. You know. Uh, Truck Stop Gumby, Roadrunners. Yes. JK says, I agree, UTSA. Jeremiah Champion, I'm 31 years old and I have never met an SMU fan. Has a fan who, SM, are you sure? Guys, 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 guys. But, and this is the argument with SMU. And I'm sorry if this is tired or, does SMU deliver Dallas? And I know we've been down this road, so please don't be like, nope, Dallas is not about Texas. Obviously not. Texas Tech, pew, pew. Does SMU deliver Dallas? No, it does not. End of story. Well, seven and a half million people coming with the Mustangs. Just because you write Dallas on your jersey does not mean that you deliver Dallas, Texas in a TV deal. All helmet, no cattle. It just doesn't. Uh, brass balls. Geez, you're clickbait. I always thought clickbait was the email I keep getting saying women in your area want to meet. <laughs> <laughs> well played. I love that. Like if you, I use social media a lot, obviously, and. So I am not a TikTok fan whatsoever. And I really, I despise it, but I need it, right? But I'm always getting these follows. Sexy Russian women are waiting for you. Just followed you on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) You know that notification. Get out of here, man. Uh, Apple account S. Is that your given name on your birth certificate, sir? Are you you, uh, Tim Cook's? second cousin twice removed uh apple account says i'm from dallas in a word no ron loney <laughs> nope <laughs> bryce martin utsa is one of the top 100 schools in the country it's a great university you uh, don't do that thing go look at it and then because you'll find when you hate something and you want something else every smu fan go find the shit you hate about utsa but please don't be like utsa bro they suck no, go no, look at it. No, 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 no. Because we've spent a lot of time on it. No, J.K. No, Marshall. No. But guys, guys, guys. UTEP. UTEP's got a football program. Rice. No, I'm not. I'm good, man. I'm full. Uh, we actually had. No, I'm not. No, I'm not going to talk about it. Um, how many SMU fans in Provo? Lots in Dallas. What's Provo got to do yeah, with Yeah, I don't. Uh, what's Provo got to do with SMU? I have no yeah, idea I'm what Provo. I'm not really sure what the connection is there, my man. Zeus, I missed, the, I missed it. Uh, Delaric, Allen High School in Dallas would be a better option for the pack. Come on, man. It is what it is. Come on, Delaric. You, you ain't wrong. Wow, well, have you seen their stadium on Friday night? Guys, 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 just got wow. renovated to 7,000 seats. Bro. Have which you... would be more than they could get at Cal. Did you see the new urinals at the, what did he say? Did you see the new urinals at Allen High School? Ah. Bro, those are Sloan, like infrared monitor things. You walk away, look man, you you pee your your Modelo into that urinal, walk away, boom, flushes on its own. Don't see that at UTSA, do ya? Boom, out of here. (laughs) Did we really just, how dare you? Hi. It's a cute little girl outside waving at Jake. You um, are not. The guy. Okay, settle down. 
There's two of them, so please. Uh, UTSA has more drafted players drafted in the NFL than I know. I know. Uh, Apple account says burner account. Sorry. <laughs> how dare you? Nothing wrong with it, bro. Uh, Connor Johnson. I like how Monty's pack voice is nerdy and Jake's big twelve voice is broy. Okay. <laughs> you know. You know. Uh, let's see. Boss Frog. What's wow. up, Boss Frog? San Antonio is 70 miles from Austin and not that much further to College Station. It is, is it really an untapped market? I don't know that untapped market is the word that I would use. And I think this is, a, this is actually a really good point. I don't think it's an untapped market. What I think it is is a university that's got a passionate fan base that could grow exponentially. I think if they, if they were to join the Pac-12, I think there's the money that UTSA could leverage through that relationship. Pac-10. During the time of the run-up, because no matter how you slice it, let's say SMU joins the Pac-12, you're going to have to run up recruiting-wise and talent-wise. Yeah. In that window, I think UTSA can become far more of a value proposition than SMU could be. And SMU has far better facilities. And apparently, you know, the... NIL Collective. The Collective. Cool. You still don't deliver Dallas. We built this program on NIL. Dallas is spoken for, and I, w- I wish people could embrace that. It's not that the Pac-12 or it has nothing to do with the Pac-12. When you look at the landscape of, of college football in Dallas, SMU is low on the totem pole, if on the totem pole at all. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. You said they suck. No, I never said that. What I said was, no, I'm kidding. Um, they just don't have the imagination that, again, a Texas Tech does. I'm not even talking about about Texas. They're in a different stratosphere. Yeah, absolutely. I'm talking about like, hey, are you ever going to catch TCU? You're never going to catch TCU. Yeah. Are you ever going to catch Texas Tech? You're never catching Tech. You're never catching Texas. You're never catching Houston. Yeah. Like, is SMU ever going to catch Houston? You're never catching Houston. Never. If only because Houston's got a dominant basketball program right now. You're never catching Houston. Hell no. So, you're not getting Dallas. What is the value of SMU? And I swear, if one more person's like, well, bro, look at the money in the collective. Um, Great. What um, does the collective do to bring me Dallas? You forgot about the oil people, bro. Come on. My bad. Higher gas prices in the Pac-12. What's the, what's the value proposition? Right? That's because if I'm the Pac-12, I need to add schools and universities and athletic programs that put more eyes on the TV because more eyes on the TV equals reach. Reach equals revenue. Yeah. That's the simplest formula. It, it almost has had nothing to do with winning games. Yeah. And we've talked about this with Fresno. Like, Everybody says, well, Fresno just won the Mountain West. Hey, that's cool. Who knows that? A. B. Who's watching Fresno State football being like, damn, where's Devontae Adams? I want to watch some Fresno State football, bro. <laughs> no. Like, in all seriousness, I, I look at Boise and people are like, wow, there's 750,000 people in Boise, it's man. Goddamn blue turf. Wait, well, you know, okay, that's cool. But do you really think that Boise State brings you access to 750,000 people? No. Be realistic about it. The answer here is not UTSA. It's not SMU. It's merging 
the, the Mountain West in the Pac-12. That's Fair. the simple. You want reach? I can give that. I can get yes. your reach. Merge the two. Now you have reach. Yep. You want more revenue? Merge the two because then you have reach, which brings you revenue. It's, it, it, to me, the question is, are you willing to put your ego aside for the best of your membership? No. And I think the answer is no. No. Because if you no. were, you'd have picked up the phone and you'd have called Bob Bowlesby or Brett Yormark and said, hey, you should probably talk about doing a deal. But the Pac-12 will never do that. So, I think the so Pac-12 will go down with the ship. You flicked your nose at BYU. Then you thought it would be a good idea to let Larry Scott run the conference into the ground. Okay. Then you thought, okay, let's hire a guy that no one's ever heard of that allegedly has a great resume that is going to continue to run the conference now six feet under the ground. Yes. Then... Fox and ESPN, who everyone's like, oh, they hate each other. No, actually, they work together on a lot of different things. Fox and ESPN came to you and said, hey, you should merge with the Big 12, and we should do a super TV deal that wraps everyone into one. I know everyone's going to be surprised. They flick their nose at that, too. And now we're supposed to be surprised that you're in this position? Come on, dude. Come on. It, it's Be better. Be better. Like, it's not I, surprising. I think the Pac-12 found, finds itself where it is because it, it – I, I'm not going to go as far as saying they burned their bridge at ESPN, but you lost ESPN as an advocate for the Pac-12. I mean, it's not like you did something where it's like, hey, they're never going to talk to you again. But the problem is, is, and I always come back to this, I guess, but your content isn't relevant to the big picture. You're not Alabama. You're not Georgia. You're not Clemson. You're not Ohio State. You're not Michigan. You're not TCU. You're not any of those schools. You don't, you're just not. You don't have a single school and I'm talking about Oregon, talking about Utah, don't have a single school that every year is in the college football playoff conversation or really the national championship conversation, if we're being serious about it. Yeah. That's the problem. So when you flick your nose at ESPN and Fox, who came to you, which they never do, but they said, hey, you know what? This would be better for college football because it would be better for us. Everything would work better. Let's go and propose it. And you said, go F yourself. Like, we're not interested. Like, that's not ever going to happen with us. Now you're here. Now ESPN doesn't care about you. They're not going to try and kill you. They're just not going to help you. Yep. And now you're here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's see. Nick M. says, There is no P5 school in Texas that would ever go to the pack. And there is no G5 school in Texas that has enough market share in their own city within Texas to deliver any quote-unquote value to a P5 conference. You're investing in the long-term potential. The massive upside potential the aggressive expansion right like it, because that's what you're doing whether it's yes, smu yes, yes. utsa you name it that's what you're doing you're investing in upside potential byu yes big 12 yes you are in you absolutely but but what does byu bring you every time they put them on tv it's a million viewers boom every single time boom they're gonna bring you a full stadium they're gonna bring you like byu has tremendous value smu UTSA, Boise, Fresno, like all of the names we've heard. There's very little immediate return on your investment. Mm -hmm. You're five, seven years down the road with all of those schools. Right. All of them. Hell, I think I would probably say the same thing because I think Cincinnati football is really going to struggle for the first couple of years. I think it's going to be a battle. I'd, I think UCF is probably of the four new in football. UCF is probably in the best place. BYU is probably second there. But 
I mean, if, if you think about resources alone athletically, I mean, does SMU, well, I mean, I, again, I understand they have donors and collectives, but do they have the resources on hand to ramp up immediately, even with the portal? Do they have the resources that Dion had at Colorado to completely change the culture and the, the names on the plates? I don't think they do, because that's what you would need. If you're SMU, you would need to to rip out 85% of the roster yeah. to compete, because you just, you're, look at the conference you're in. You're not that guy, dude. Look at the recruiting pool you're in. And the collective would come in for SMU if you're if you're trying to walk into Jimmy's house in in Arlington, who's the top quarterback. Well, you better be paying that guy three million bucks a year from your oil money collective. But what are the chances that's reality? That's that's slim and none. Man. Mm-hmm. That's because that's that's like a Dion pull. Yeah. And Dion doesn't have to pay three million dollars because he's got three three toes missing. And oh, by the way, he's Dion Sanders. That's right, T. So, yeah, anyway, I know we've been over this. Uh, Connor Johnson says, too big, too dilutive. What do you mean? What yeah, does, what that, does mean? that mean, bro? Uh, let's see. Kyle Anderson. Kyle A. I don't know if it's Anderson or not. Kyle A. Breaking news. Utah softball has just extended their coach to 2028. Coach A, congratulations. That's what happens when you win. You go to the College World Series. All of a sudden, people start making that break. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, MJ Bissett, UNT basketball NIT champs also. With Pac-12 association and winning the conference can absolutely catch Texas Tech and Dallas-Fort Worth. That's your opinion. Next comment. Maybe I just believe too much in Yeah. 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 Uh, Rick Forrester says Pac-12 could have added Tech, TCU, Houston, and Okie State. I think they could have invited them. Could they have added them? There's no question. Even just in the, the the last three years since we've really been doing this show full-time every day. Yeah. Even in the last three years, there's no question the Big 12 was vulnerable. Even in the last 12 months, the Big 12 was vulnerable. But the Pac-12 has just made so many mistakes along the way that, yeah, the Big 12 was vulnerable, but are they really vulnerable if there's nobody to take advantage of their vulnerability? Yeah, there was a window in time right after Oklahoma and Texas announced that you could have kneecapped the Big 12. No yes. doubt about it. But yes. like you just said, that nobody was in position. Renee Roca, college station's a dump, not a market. <laughs> Jimbo still recruits there, though, right? Jimbo. Guy can't win a game, but he can recruit. Uh, Chaplain James White. Merging the pack in the Mountain West is the best answer. I like those late-night Mountain West games. They're very entertaining. Because hey, you have, like, the that's when we're talking about reach and we're talking about advantage and leverage mm-hmm. the reason pac 12 after dark is such a power play and the fact that nbc stole part of that is such a flex because what else are they watching if i can put usc and pick your pack your big 10 school penn state don't care Rutgers, i don't care you give me the lower end Purdue, Indiana, Iowa, Wisco. Give me Wisconsin. Luke Fickle builds Wisconsin. Matt Rule builds Nebraska. Put the ass in the Coliseum in L.A. Give me SC in Nebraska, SC Wisco, SC Iowa, you name it. That's going to do 2.5 million views. Why is that? Because three-quarters three, three of the country hasn't got anything else to watch. Because yep. Bama's not playing at that hour. Who's playing at that hour? 
Nobody. It's USC and your mom. Oh, I know. I know. How about Northwestern? Uh, Come on, dude. dude. Everyone's favorites. Come on, yeah, I, dude. I, uh, this Northwestern story. Nar. A. A. Can anybody explain to me how Pat Fitzgerald still has a job? <coughs> Maybe him and Bob can hang out. So this is Narnar Binks, and I will keep it PG. There is a hazing scandal exploding at Northwestern University. Evanston, Illinois, my former hometown. Pat Fitzgerald, the head coach at Northwestern, is alleged to have created an atmosphere of hostility. That's based an issue. on race and color and sexual acts of aggressiveness were involved. It is alleged that at camp in Wisconsin, which is where they train in the preseason, players were made to do naked pull-ups and partake in the car wash, which is where nude football players stood at the entrance to the shower and had to do pirouettes while other nude men walked by them and made contact with them. Now, Pat says he didn't know about that. And several of his former players have said he had nothing to do with it. The only problem with that is several of his former players say that Pat fostered it and encouraged it, allegedly. Several former players are saying that it was not okay to be an offensive player and be a person of color. That black football players were defensive players and white football players were offensive players. Um, and at Northwestern, black football players were not allowed to be black, which means they had to cut their hair. They had to cut their dreadlocks. Former players saying that the essence of being a black man was not allowed on Pat Fitzgerald Northwestern football team. Pat Fitzgerald, as you may know, got suspended for two weeks without pay. Pat Fitzgerald was forced to accept a monitor who does not report to anybody in athletics and has no oversight from the football program so that they could be an independent observer of the culture and the way of doing business inside of Northwestern football. And that was before these former players started meeting with the president of Northwestern. And my question is, Jake, why does Pat Fitzgerald still have a job? <coughs> Wow. Sorry, I almost died. Whoa. I almost died. Whoa. (laughs) My bad. You're going to make it? My bad. I almost died. Sorry. Sorry. I just got choked up over here. Uh, Yeah, I don't know why he still has a job, honestly. I don't know. I think that that this is one of those, hey, we got to do an investigation. Hey, we got to go through processes, and we got to, you know, again, like with this, this, this monitor, if you will. Hey, we need to monitor the culture. We need to see... What exactly we notice? Are there any whiteboards, you know, around? Are there, you know, are there the things that are alleged? Do we see signs of those, right? Like, because you know what's happening. If, and again, if, right? Because I, we have to say if. If, let's presume everything's true. Okay, you send a monitor in there. And let's say that Pat buttoned it up, got everything covered up. You know, they totally buttoned up the program. There are still going to be signs, you walk into a locker room, you can tell. If you have any type of savvy about a football locker room, you can see the signs, right? You can feel it. 
you can see it, you can see where things were changed. Like you can, you notice things. So I agree with the setup of the monitor. Now, if this had been, hey, the monitor is going to be overseen by Pat, well, that's obvious. That's not going to work. But because the monitor doesn't report to anyone in the football program, I love that. I love that they're doing it that but, way. But here's here's the problem. It doesn't fucking matter if Pat Fitzgerald did this. It's his program. You're the head football coach in a program that is alleged to have sexual misconduct as part of a hazing scandal. I said as part of a hazing scandal in your mm -hmm. football program. Mm -hmm. You're fired. You are the head football coach at a program where it's alleged that you put black guys on the defense and white guys on the offense, and that's the way you do business. You're fired. You're the head football coach at a program where it's alleged that black guys were not allowed to be black guys, and you force black guys to cut their hair yeah. and live the Northwestern way. Yeah. What does that mean, the Northwestern way? Oh, you know what it means? You're fired. Because you can't have a football program like that. There are no coincidences. There are no accidents. There are no, well, I had no idea. It was your job to have an idea, Pat. Well, you, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with you're that. You're fired. Yeah. Your assistants, it's their job to have an idea. They're fired. Yeah. Your captains, it's their job to have an idea. They're expelled. Do you you can't that, have them there. Here's a question, though, and I think this is really where the rubber meets the road, right? Like, I agree with everything you're saying, but it doesn't seem like in, especially at the college level, like in the NFL, it's a little different, but at the college level, it doesn't seem like it's real. I don't even know how you want to say it. Uh, acceptable, I guess, to just, to just pull the trigger, just like that, to just fire Pat right away. It seems like what we want to do nowadays is we want to do an investigation, put the monitor in place, like gather all the evidence. But, like but the problem with that at Northwestern is, yeah, he sucks as a football well, coach. They don't win games. Yeah, what were they one and eight last year in conference? Fire him I think? because yeah. he's a bad football coach. Yeah, yeah. Don't go through the lawsuit. One and eleven last year. Don't go through the issues. Yeah, you didn't win games, Pat. We're making a change. Thanks for coming. By the way, all your coaching staff they're fired too. Right? Because what's the other thing that this Pat and his coaching staff is alleged to have done? Yeah. Oh, you don't like that black guys are on defense? Go read your scholarship. That was a alleged boilerplate answer. And I'm getting tired of the Pervin Meyer way of doing business because hmm. that's exactly what this is. Because I can tell you, I know 101 players who have played for Urban Meyer at multiple colleges. And you know what they all say? Oh, you don't like this drill? Go read your scholarship. Oh, you don't like you you don't like having to run? Okay, I'm gonna pull your scholarship and then let's see how much you like to run. Thanks. Which by the way, hey uh Pat, you should probably go read the scholarship. It says you can't do that. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Not uh, any of this other hyperbole, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. You Pat Fitzgerald has to be terminated for cause now. And there's gonna be a lawsuit, and he's gonna get paid out, and his assistants are gonna get paid out. This is the same BS that happened at, at Arizona State with Ray Anderson and, 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 you know, hey, we play to win the game. Right. Herm Edwards should have been fired for cause. Yeah. But he wasn't, and so his assistants got paid out, and he got paid out. This is, this is the systemic problem in college athletics. Bob Huggins should have been fired for cause, but he wasn't. And now he says he didn't resign. So he's going to get paid out. You think you think it's too strong to say that chancellors or presidents, I guess in this case, 
you know, because they seemingly, again, don't want to fire these guys for cause. Because I think it's a great point, right? You can just fire the guy's guy for cause and save yourself the trouble. Yeah. Right? It's a great point. But it seems like, what, like I was saying, it doesn't seem like guys want to do that. Or presidents, shouldn't say guys. Presidents don't want to do that. They, they want to, like, handle it a certain type of way. They, like, they, again, they want to do investigations and go through the whole thing. You, you guys know what I mean. Rather than just terminating these guys yeah. and moving it along. You know, it's like the whole Penn State thing with Sandusky, right? Like, the problem with Sandusky was he was winning football games at one point. That's the problem. So, like, in this case, there's an easy cop-out. For Bob, there, you know, you could have fired him for cause, no doubt about it. But so, if you look at the Sandusky thing, yeah, yeah. I, I, one of the the craziest days of my radio life was being on Cairo Radio in Seattle the night the Sandusky news broke, mm -hmm. and all of the people defending Jerry Sandusky and defending Penn State. There's no defense. Penn State should not have a football program right now. Yeah. Joe Paterno is not a legend. He's a piece of shit, dude. Yeah. He fostered child abuse. Yeah. The evidence is clear. Yet, they allegedly knew what Sandusky and Paterno were doing. Did they fire him? No. Oh, it's Joe Paterno. It's Joe hey, man, it's Joe Paterno. We got statues out there. I don't care. Right? Like, I look at Pat Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald is a wildly irresponsible football coach that represents Northwestern University. But furthermore, you know what he represents? Trust and honor among parents who trusted him not to make their naked kids pretend to be a brush post in a car wash at the entry of a shower in Wisconsin. He should be fired, not because he's a shitty football coach, because he didn't do his job. And I don't care that his players wrote a letter saying, please respect our privacy during this difficult time. Hell no. Pat Fitzgerald should be fired. Thanks. Jerry Sandusky should have been fired and then prosecuted. Joe Paterno should have been fired. They knew and did nothing. They shouldn't have a football program. And I, I, I'll just say it over and over again. Why did this come out? Because the student fucking newspaper is the one who broke it. Was it the Sun-Times or the Tribune? No. The Daily Northwestern broke this story. Keep it real. The Daily Northwestern. And yet, is that going to change anything? It won't. Those kids will probably get in trouble for this. Mm -hmm. it's, the whole culture is, is so backwards. He shouldn't have a job. Yeah. The guy should not have a job, period, ever again. Never again. Should you should you ever hire Pat Fitzgerald to be your head coach? No. But they hired Urban. Yet they will. Yet they will. They absolutely will. Yep. This isn't, and, you know, it's funny about, like, the Urban thing. Urban keeps getting jobs. Think about Urban Meyer. He keeps getting jobs. He's got a TV job right now as the guy as the guy who allegedly physically assaulted players on the field yeah. in Jacksonville. Yeah. As the guy who knew about domestic violence on his coaching staff and allegedly did nothing about it. As the guy whose wife got calls from the wife who was being domestically abused who did nothing about it. Never mind that all of his players at Florida were like Aaron Hernandez and the Pouncey brothers. 
Never mind that all of this started at, at Utah. When Urban Meyer used to put BYU logos in the urinal and BYU logos on the floor so that his Utes would piss all over the BYU logo. And I guarantee you, there are folks out there who would hire Urban Meyer today to coach their college football team. And he's employed at Fox. You, you tell me how, at, how this continues. Look at how quick LSU ran Ed O out. That was cold-bloodedly methodical and thorough, right? I mean, that like that's what we're talking about here. And yeah. yet, and but I think it's a perfect example. Ed O wasn't anywhere near a full-on sexual hazing. Oh my God, meltdown! Right? He did some dumbass things in his program. I don't even dispute. Had that. his kid, had his like, girlfriend's kids on the field running routes during right, practice. Right? Like that's you're just an idiot. You're just an idiot. So what did they do? Yeah. They fired him. But more importantly, because they fired him, we've already moved on. It's We're over. already talking about, like, the next story was Brian Kelly faking a Southern accent, right? Like, that we were able but, to move on. But think about, the, think about the other scandals in sports that nobody wants to talk. Look at Jim Jordan, the wrestling coach at Ohio. The. The. Ohio yeah, State. Don't get it confused. Right? And I know he's a politician. I'm not talking about his politics. Don't get all fired up. The allegations that, that are around Jim Jordan at Ohio State? See, but the guy's one of those powerful politicians in Washington. Yeah. Right? Like, we don't care. We, we cover this stuff up routinely. Yeah. Because of athletics. And it, it just drives. Pat Fitzgerald should be fired already. Yeah. Oh, but we're going to camp in a. I don't care. Why, I know. Why do I care? Fire him and all of his assistants. Oh, you don't well, have a football <clears throat> team this year? Yeah. That's the other problem I have with the Too suspension, bad. right? Right? Like, I, and I think a lot of people are noticing this. He would, uh, he, like, they're not doing football during the two-week suspension. No. Right? He took a two, it's, it, it's essentially a two-week rip. Yeah. Meaningless time off, and the only consequence is money. Mm. That's it. Nobody, nobody would have remembered that. If these kids that are making these allegations, come on now. Yeah. yeah. Come on now. Come on now. Uh, Todd James, you said it. Allegations, not. Oh, dude, go go research the Jim Jordan stuff. You you, I think you're talking about Jim Jordan. Go read up on Jim Jordan, the the wrestling coach. Yeah. And then tell me it's allegations. Go read up on that. <coughs> you know, like. It, and again, yes, Renee. I go back to this right here. Fire him because they're terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's your best point. Fire I mean, him because he's terrible. You, you could avoid the whole thing. I mean, you don't right? you don't get my leg to stand on if you fire him for being terrible. What he does? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Todd James, why is it called? Why do we? Why call it allegations then? Because why is it called allegations against Kobe Bryant and Eagle Colorado? Why is it called allegations? Like, you have no idea why cases don't make it to court. Like we, there it is, right now. They fired him. Did they fire Pete Thamel? Northwestern fired Pat Fitzgerald. Right now. Not surprising. Not surprising. You're welcome. As they should have. Northwestern, according to Pete Thamel at ESPN, Northwestern has fired Pat Fitzgerald. Justice is served. Not nearly. It's proper. The right thing was done at North Northwestern. Now let's see what they do. Yeah. Will they fire his entire coaching staff? They should. Because if you keep anybody on that staff and 
if you haven't, and, and, and this is one of the rare times where I think you need to understand something. If you haven't played football or covered football, you probably don't understand the culture on a coaching staff. If you fire Pat Fitzgerald and you keep his coaching staff, you didn't fire Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah. Because you've got to fire them all. Yeah, you, the, you know what the saying is. He's the fall guy. The strength and conditioning coach, out. The nutritional coach, out. The massage therapy team, out. All of them, clean house. And if that means you don't have a football team this year, hey, great. But just shutting down the camp in Wisconsin is not good enough. Yeah. Because that's something else they said, well, you have to train on campus now. Wow, what a penalty. Whew. You got to train in your football facility. God damn, how are you going to survive that? No, you have to You have to completely. By the way, the athletic director, there's not an athletic director in the Big Ten who doesn't know what's going on in his football locker room. And yeah. if he doesn't know, guess what? He should be fired. Yep. Should be fired. There's no excuse for it. Like, you look at this Larry. Did you guys hear about Larry Nassar? Mm. The convicted felon sexual predator who attacked many, 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 many young athletes. Stabbed multiple times in prison today in the chest and back. Don't feel sorry for you. In stable condition. Did they fire him when allegations were made? They did not. Did they know about it at Michigan State? They probably did. Allegedly, they did. Did they do anything about it? They didn't. I, it's it's amazing to me how this stuff just goes unchecked. Yep. It, it is it's remarkable, yeah. and that Pat Fitzgerald was fired is a good first step. Now let's see. Just now let's see how what serious it is. Mike Smith says uh, Monty Show put on the pressure and got Pat fired. I made some calls and told him, hey, man. I, I think people are scared. You're, one of your best takes has always been, hey, if you don't know what's happening, you should be fired. And if you do know what's happening, you should be fired. I mean, it's just, it just is what All it is. All of these guys. Yeah. And this happens, this politicians, religious authorities, I mean, every, police misconduct, mm. name a scandal. And somebody's like, well, I had no idea that was going on. Yeah, we got to fire you then. Well, what do you mean? Well, you're the police chief. You're the, uh, the archbishop. You're the pope. You're the... If you don't know what's going on, that means you're out of control. You're not in control of your program. Yeah. Look at Mike Bone. Mm, yeah. USC yep. athletic director. Yep. Did anybody fire him at Cincinnati? Did anybody report him at Cincinnati? Sort of. Did they, did they share that information publicly? No. So what happened? Mike got hired at USC and treated women allegedly terribly. Made oh. massive inappropriate comments. Allegedly made really inappropriate actions and yes. touchings. And Look at Ime Yudoka. By the way, Ime Yudoka. Anybody report him? No. Did he get fired? No. He didn't. He got suspended for a year. Like, we just cover this stuff up. And so why does it become systematic? Because we don't talk about it. So Mike Bond got another opportunity to do what? Go to USC and abuse women. Like he had allegedly done at Cincinnati. Yeah. Pat Fitzgerald should never work again. Yeah. He, sh he should never win again. He should never work again.
Crazy. Uh, Jeff Woodworth, Big Ten uh, scandal of sexual harassment or yeah, conference of sexual harassment scandals. There's the been a lot. The truth. There's been because they're big universities, man. Uh, Jeremy Severe, Michigan State, Penn State, and now Northwestern. What is these Big Ten schools with national breaking yeah, you're, scandals? You're, you're, you're forgetting something, dude. Ohio State. Are we just forgetting Ohio State? Urban, Jim Jordan. You know. Like, you, and by the way, it goes before Urban. Yeah. It goes back before Urban. The uh, Maurice Claret situation. Like, I, come on, man. Uh, let's see. Dusty, ESPN firing all those people is the reason McAfee can get paid $150 million. No, it's not. Yeah, I don't, don't know what you're you bringing don't. that up about, yeah. but no, it's not. It is not. Giggity. The culture of good old boys needs to die. Seriously. Yeah, but seemingly, and, and again, I hate saying this, but football is one of those sports, right? Oh, Where, it's a, football is absolutely a good old boy network. Yeah. There is no, no doubt about it. Boss Frog, we live in a litigious society. Yes. Um, they needed the time to conduct an internal investigation to have their support evidence in place. They move faster than Baylor and Penn. Oh, my God. The Baylor situation. Yep. I think it's really unfortunate that when these allegations were made by former players. Now, one thing I do think we need to say, one of the the former players making the allegations is alleged to have let the misconduct happen because he wanted to get Pat Fitzgerald fired. He hated playing for Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah. And so... There are some accounts that have this guy saying, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this because I want Pat to get fired. So I, I do, I do want to keep that in point. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. Uh, OG Gary, the beloved Ohio State, always gets a pass. Always. Always gets a pass. Yes, Russell, don't forget Baylor. Uh, Dusty is like an hour and a half behind. Yes, you should go back to I agree with that. Uh, Baylor slash Waco, disgusting university and city. Take it easy. Take it easy. Mike Rayner says, hey, I'm a good old boy. I'm a good old boy. Careful. Well, all the good old boys uh, go to tridaytrading.com slash Monty to make more money. Hey, uh, have you been there yet? And I, I know we've talked about this for months and months now, but, you know, it's really humbling to talk to you guys. And hear you guys talk about your experience with Triday Trading and the success that so many people have had going through the TridayTrading.com program. And we talk about it on a regular basis about how if you if you make a $10 charitable donation, you get a 30-day trial membership and you get the entire program. All the elite level coaching, the processes, the, you know, the, the, the way of being the elite day trader. They teach you all of that. For $10 and 30 days, you get a look at that, at that program. And so many people have said to us, you know, I didn't believe you. Day trading's a scam. Day trading's not a scam. No. Well, the market's terrible right now, which is exactly why day traders are making thousands of dollars a day. The best part about day trading is good market, bad market, middle market. Doesn't matter. There are opportunities that day traders leverage every day. Do you know full-time day traders make thousands of dollars a day? Part-timers, there's a legion of people. Jake and I worked at Yelp, and I was in a a Slack group with a bunch of us that were day traders. Thanks. Making three, four, five hundred dollars a day. You understand what that number is, right? Like, you guys get that, right? Like, 
Like that's a lot of money. Dude. Fifteen. <laughs> how, what, what would an extra fifteen hundred dollars a week do for you? A week. I, my guy just said a week. Think about that. That's six thousand dollars a month. That's on a part-time basis. If you make, and let's be, let's let's just call it a thousand dollars. Let's say two hundred dollars a day, five days a week. You you spend an hour in the morning programming your your processes and algorithms. You come home from work, boom, day trading the 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 algorithms and the the software made all your trades for you the way you programmed it. You made two hundred dollars. Yeah, five days a week is a thousand dollars. Times four is four thousand dollars a month. That's an extra $48,000 a year. Would that help you? Yes, absolutely. Now imagine that you're doing that and you're making, let's call it, let's be conservative, $1,000 a day full-time day trading, $5,000 a week, $20,000 a month. Think about what that is, man. That's a lot of bread, dude. If you're making, if you are making $20,000 a month, that's $240,000 a year. What could you do with that bread? That's what's possible for a $10 charitable donation. Yes. Tridaytrading.com slash Monty. You pay $10. You get a $30 or a 30-day trial membership. That $10 goes to charity, so it's a tax write-off for you. And they give you the whole program. Don't take my word for it. Go check it out. There are all kinds of reviews, all kinds of users, webinars. They're all free at your disposal at tridaytrading.com. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. Coming up in five minutes, we'll talk NBA. Let's get your thoughts right here uh, on the rest of this Northwestern scandal. If you're just tuning in, uh, Northwestern has fired Pat Fitzgerald, uh, their football coach. Um, there is a, a hazing scandal going on at Northwestern. Players allege that there was a preseason training camp that Northwestern's gone to for years in Wisconsin and that hazing took place on a regular basis at that pro at that training camp and then on campus yeah. during the football season. Some of the allegations were players are made to do nude pull-ups, players were made to participate in the car wash where a row uh, two rows of nude football players would be doing pirouettes, which means they'd be doing spins while other players walked down the middle and made contact with them. There were allegations that black football players were only allowed to play defense. White football players were made to play offense. Black football players were not allowed to have the essence of being a black man. One of the examples used was making black men cut their hair because it was too long, meaning their dreadlocks and their afros had to be cut, while white players could have long hair. And those white players were described as the best parts of America. And that if you didn't like having to cut your hair, that's not the Northwestern way. And you should go read your scholarship. Ouch. It's Pat brutal. Fitzgerald fired today by Northwestern after multiple players met with the president. Northwestern's looking for a new coach. We'll see what happens after that. Uh, so Pat Fitzgerald is out. Let's get your comments. Uh, Conundrum says no. Bobby Petrino to Northwestern. <laughs> you know. Uh, Chard Coke says Pat just got fired. Yes, he did. Uh, Urban Meyer to Northwestern. Kevin Peterson says. Uh, Chris Peterson to Northwestern. Chris would be a great hire, but I don't know that he wants a coach anymore. I don't know that he wants a coach yeah. anymore. Uh, Brass Ball says, what did Baylor do? I really don't know. Man, so many things. I mean, obviously the basketball program, the shootings, mm -hmm. the 
I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's probably no reason to get back into that. But just yeah, just go read about it, dude. There's yeah, a lot uh, that happened there. There were there were some very bad, damaging times there. Yeah, no doubt about it. Renee Roca says, "Damn, dude, just got fired." Yeah, he did. Yep. Yes, he did. Uh, Kevin Peterson says, "What former NFL coach is available?" There's a lot of them. Uh, Mike Smith says, "Herm Edwards is available." Dude. Indeed, he is. Dude. Uh, Renee says, that seems like some closeted behavior. Seriously. Uh, civil rights violation conundrum says federal crime. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Cowboy Country on three sports on Twitter just verified that Fitzgerald is gone from Northwestern. I just retweeted it to you. Thank you. ESPN broke that. Pete Thamel had it. Um, I love it. Everybody's like, hey, Pat just got fired. Pat just got fired. Pat just got fired. Hey, guys, guys. Hey, Pat got fired. Just so you know. OG Gary, the Northwestern way, start wild and after affirmative action gets struck. <laughs> <laughs> Gary? Bro. Gary, behave. Ooh, David Shaw would be a great hire. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not accidentally. It was a rendering only. What do you mean? What, Dave, uh, Dean, what are we talking about? Uh, Ken Williams, what's up? Fitzgerald to the USFL. Ooh, say no. Um, Greg Swaim, some of that stuff sounds a little, or a lot, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. Well, I mean, Pat's got to do better than that. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall, he'd be a great fit at Northwestern. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, let's see. YouTube is meshed up bad. Why? What's wrong? Ken has been struggling to comment, apparently. Oh, really? YouTube. I don't know. I haven't. Ken's the only one that. I will check filters. Yeah. And see, uh, if they timed you uh that baylor situation derailed their football and basketball program for years but that situation was scary due to the volume of incidents and it it really piled up really piled up jeff says uh has anyone heard what happened to fitz yet he got you know i i mean have you heard anything i haven't heard nothing no 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 you know you know uh ruff's official oh this ought to be good eh so some players did some questionable hazing and there was grooming standards and it's some massive controversy it wasn't grooming standards white players were allowed to have long hair black players were not black players at northwestern couldn't have dreadlocks or afros and they were made to play defense white players could have any hairstyle they want any length they want because that was good old, the best parts of America. The best parts of America apparently don't include afros and, and dreadlocks at Northwestern. Yeah. That's not grooming standards. That's racism. That is separatism. That is, I mean, call it what you want. Call it what you want. It, it, it's, it's based in race. Anytime you say, oh, <clears throat> I don't know who that kid is, but he's black. He's on defense. And I don't know who that kid is, but he's white, so he's on offense. That's called racism. Yeah. So when you're separating people based on the color of their skin and you say to the black kid, hey, that afro's too much, we're going to have to have you cut that afro off because that's the Northwestern way, that's racism. Yeah. When you say to the white kid who's got whatever hairstyle he wants, hey, Way to go. That looks great, kid. All right, enjoy offense. That's called racism. That's, we can't, we, we don't do that in this country. It's called freedom. Well, some places, it's called freedom. If a kid wants to play offense, let him play offense. If a kid wants to have dreadlocks, let him have dreadlocks. Yeah. 
Who gives a shit? He's a football player. Right? He's a human being. We should be talking about dude's ability to run the 4-3, not what he looks like. You really don't believe that that's grooming standards. You're just being – I think you're just saying that. Uh, Jeff says there are hair laws for a reason. <laughs> you know. Uh, Delaric, can someone check Fitz's uh, closet to see if there are some uh, white hood robes in there? Easy. Um, um, Easy. Um, Easy. I just they're, – they're, I'm not the guy that's going to sit here and defend racism ever. I think we've been down this road in sports, mm-hmm. and we're all better than that. We're all better than that. And, I, and I, this goes back to the whole argument of, well, are we really free in this country? Because we're not. We're not. We're not free. No. That's not freedom. No. You know, like it's just, and this goes back to like that scandal down at BYU with, you know, South Carolina and the volleyball thing and Duke volleyball and South Carolina canceling a basketball game. And everybody just believed it. There was no evidence, but everybody just believed it. Right? Like we, we make these snap decisions based on the color of people's skin. Yeah. Good and bad. Well, that white guy's not a threat. Like, we got to stop. We're, we're human beings, you guys. You know, like, we, we, we're not pieces of meat. We're not animals. We're not, we don't, you know. we don't live in caveman times. We're not running away from dinosaurs on our way to work. Right? Like, we're human yeah. beings. Let's treat each other with respect. Let's, let's hear each other out. Let, you know, like, we, we're just so... I don't want to, and I don't mean to be on a soapbox, but I, we just get to this place in our world where we're so willing to say, well, he's Latino, so, or he's black, so, or he's white, so we make these value statements based on what somebody looks like. You don't know what that person is. In our country, it's absolutely, well, yeah. he's too fat to golf. Um, he's too skinny to play basketball. He's too this, she's too that. Like, ah, she's blonde, she's... Like it, and women, women face far more of that than men do. We as men have some privilege. Yeah, there's let's no be doubt. honest, right? Yeah. Like, you look at 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 the way that we judge women based on the size of their chest or the color of their like. It's the the Mike the Mike Bone thing at USC. Yes, making making yes. statements to women in his the former athletic director at USC in Cincinnati, making statements to women about their blouses. On to Cincinnati about their hair. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. And he did that at Cincinnati, but nobody had the courage to step up and talk about it. So it happened to other women at USC. Yeah. Like, I, I just wish we were humans. I wish we, we valued each other. And it's, it's simplistic. I should stop. Yeah. Got, it, it's simplistic. I get it. But I just don't believe in saying, well, she's got a huge rack. She must not be very intelligent. Or... Um. How, what does that have to do with the, the time of day? Yeah. What does his afro have to do with his ability to play offensive football? That, I've never understood that. Yeah. Spot I've never on. understood it. All right. The Monty Show, presented by uh, our good friends at The Advocates, theadvocates.com, the best injury attorneys in the business. And let's bring a little good into the world. I talked about this last hour, but I know there's a lot of new people joining the program. Um, you guys, they're, they're the guy, the, our friends, hello, uh, our good friends at the Advocates are working with the Road Home. Uh, they're trying to uh, provide for homeless kids who are going back to school. 
And I'd really love, love, love for our listeners to be a big part of this program. Uh, it's called The Road Home Apple Tree. Uh, Utah's homeless children succeed at school. The advocates are putting their money where their mouth is. And again, what do I always tell you about the advocates, man? Whether it's collecting bicycles, whether it is working in the community. Here we are again with the Utah advocates, the best injury attorneys in the business, taking their money and putting it back into the communities that they serve. And with the Road Home, it is one of the, the best programs that I know for homeless, our homeless community. And kids going back to school, it is so important that we provide positive, growing experiences in education, especially for our young children, especially for you know, our, our intermediates. And high school's a different beast, I totally get it. But our young kids are still innocent. Let's help them stay innocent. That's what the guys and the gals at the Advocates are doing. They're putting their money into the community. They're putting the money where they say they do, which is helping their communities grow, lifting people up. That's what the world should be about. Get to theadvocates.com, utahadvocates.com. If you can contribute, great, man. I really appreciate that. Make your contribution. Tell them you heard about uh, the apple tree from the Monty show and just whatever you can do a dollar, $5, $10, a million dollars help. If you can help, we certainly are giving back yes. to the advocates. They have been phenomenal partners on the show. They make it possible every day. If you, if you have any regard for our program, please get just spend three minutes, go to the utahadvocates.com chat with somebody online and say, Hey, I appreciate you guys working with the road home. I heard about you on the Monty show. Just let them know, Hey, that that's a positive thing that you support that because they do so much good work. And I'm not pitching you on, hey, them as a law firm, or they're helping get kids that are homeless through school to get them educated, to stop that cycle of homelessness, and to create a youth in this country that can really move us forward. That's what the advocates are about. Theadvocates.com, utahadvocates.com. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. Tell them you want to participate in the Road Home Apple Tree. Utah's homeless children succeed at school theadvocates.com. Appreciate that very much. Let me give some shout outs. What's up, Salty Drunk? Good to see you. What's up, dude? The Norman Show. What's up? He says, what time is NBA talk? About 35 seconds. Uh, Jeff Woodworth, how are you? Having lunch or a sandwich and chips? I mean, a hot dog and goldfish with my two hold straw. <laughs> Those goldfish potato chips are amazing. Yeah. I had an admission over the weekend. I bought some goldfish, and it said crackers on the package. So Jake takes such an ass whoop in the other day for saying that goldfish are chips. <laughs> that this homie goes out and buys a bag of goldfish. And, and right on the, good. And what, but what does it say right on the package? Crackers. Crackers. So to your credit, he tweeted out, hmm, I guess they're crackers. <laughs> <laughs> Which yes, is you amazing. Did. Yes, you did. Oh my God, amazing! I it is. Uh, OG Gary, frack gets tons of hazing. When I was at the U, there were a couple of houses that got hit. Um, Sig Chi did, didn't get hit is beyond me. I don't know. It's, it's Sig Chi. Well, okay, uh, there he is, Teddy Wayman. Holy crap, Teddy! Dude, your public, you're alive. Your public has been waiting what for the you. Is that guy? Teddy, people have been asking, where is Teddy Wayman? Where is the tile king of Utah? By the way, I'm not even joking when I call Teddy that. He, he had, Teddy tiled my shower and did a great job. Mm -hmm. 
Teddy is the tile king of Utah. Here I am. Uh, Teddy says, hey, James. James said, hey, Teddy. <laughs> Mike Smith, I looked at some Northwestern team photos and saw a few white guys with long hair. Well, there you go. Sigma Chi. Oh, is that what? The... Um, how do you say you were not in a fraternity in college without saying you were not in a fraternity in college? No, I'm um, not doing that. Well, you know, um, those guys at Sig G. Sig G. Um, um, I am useless at times. Uh, Cody Schiffman says, thank you for the, uh, membership. Oh, oh did we get more memberships? More yes. Kyle A gave away oh, five Kyle memberships. A. Let's go. Let's go, baby. Absolutely right. Let's go. Kyle A gave away and, uh, earlier C Kaufman gave away or no, he's been in, he's been a member for four months. Excuse me. Uh, Marlon Shaw gave away 10 memberships. Appreciate that. Appreciate you. So welcome to the membership. Greg Swaim, I hazed as a pledge, but that was 43 years ago and a Whatever. lot of things have changed since then. Mm. Dude, the movie Animal House was essentially all about hazing. Right? Like, yeah. Come on now. That, yeah. that, times change. I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. So look, man. I, I, I hope Northwestern carries it on. Right now, we have to talk about the National Basketball Association, the Monty Victor's Show. Away. Talking about NBA hoops, thanks to our friends at TryDayTrading.com. They always bring you our NBA and Utah Jazz Talk. At TryDayTrading.com, stop fantasizing about what life could be and start living your dreams. TryDayTrading.com, $10, 30-day membership, no strings attached. Go get it right now. Tell me you heard about it on the Monty Show. Victor Wambanyama, breaking news. Victor's the way. Victor Wambanyama has been shut down uh, for the remainder of Summer League. This is probably the right move, right? I mean, if you, if you think about Victor, game one was an abject failure. There's no question about it. Okay, the kid's like 13 years old. He looks like a baby giraffe running around in a, in a field trying to get away from the cheetahs. Totally understand it. Game two, he was much better against less competition, let's be honest, but he was much better. What more could possibly go right for Victor Wambanyama in, in the summer league? And I say this is the right move by the San Antonio Spurs, but let's not get this twisted. Victor Wambanyama is a project at best. This is a guy that was said to be the greatest prospect ever, a better prospect than LeBron James. To which I say you're crazy. And if you go back six months a year on this show, we've been telling you this guy's not an NBA body. His skill set is not yet NBA ready. He cannot shoot at the NBA level yet. And what did we get in the NBA Summer League? What did we get in the pre-Summer League workouts? A guy who can't shoot at the NBA level yet, who cannot dribble or penetrate the paint because guys take the ball from him he was backing down a player that was six inches shorter than him who immediately took the ball away from him because he's not ready. Victor Wambanyama has a ton of potential. I don't even believe he's going to be a bust. But that's going to be two, three years down the road. Jake, I think what we learned is what we already knew. Victor Wambanyama's raw, and he's a project. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that Victor is, you know, yeah, got a lot of potential, but I, I, I think that it is disrespectful 
to uh, disrespectful in a number of ways to say that this guy was anywhere near what LeBron was uh, when he came into the league. LeBron dominated the league right out of the gate. Now, everyone likes to say, oh, he had like 14 points or whatever it was in his summer league debut. But what I'm telling you is that summer league is basically a showcase to to allow us to see what you have to offer right now in your game. And, and hey, yeah, Victor, bad shooting night. I think he was like one for nine or whatever it ended up being in that first game. Okay, cool. Bad shooting night. Great. First game out. All right, we can all write that off. But I have to agree. What I saw in the second game, yeah, did he put up numbers? Absolutely. Uh, were those numbers the way that I'd like to see him play the game or the way that I think he's going to have to play the game? Uh, in the NBA regular season? No, not at all. I mean, you're talking about a guy who who basically just wants to play pick and roll and wants to shoot from the outside. And hey, I agree, you can develop a jump shot, but you're at some point going to have to guard the other team's big. At some point, that's going to happen if you're going to be out here at seven three and a half or whatever he is now, right? Like he's going to have to guard. And I'm not even talking about Joker or Embiid. Put throw those guys away because they'll dominate anybody. I don't care how tall or short you are, they're dominating. Yeah, yep. You. Like, like, give me, give me Nick Claxton would dominate Victor. Give me uh, Andre Drummond, Nikola Vucevic, right? Like, those guys would own this cat offensively. And that's where I think San Antonio is going to have to find the middle because you know that this guy's got to get in the gym over the next couple of years and put weight on. You know that. And he's going to do that. I'd be shocked if he didn't, honestly. But the question that, that is... That would be stunning. Yeah, I mean, it would be stunning. And I think... The real problem for Victor is that Giannis comes into the league as an absolute stick and now is a stud. I mean, the guy got in the gym and literally transformed the way he looks his entire body. Like, the whole his nine whole yards. His whole game, dude. though. Yeah. Now, Vic, and I'm not saying that Victor's going to do that. But if you look at Victor, he's got to become what Giannis became, which is a guy who said, okay, I'm going to have to do some things I don't want to do. Giannis, to his credit, couldn't shoot free throws. Giannis, to his, to his credit now, couldn't even get close on a three. Giannis could not back a guy down. Giannis could not shoot a turnaround jump shot. Giannis can shoot threes, can make free throws. Dominant low post player, dominant mid-range player, dominant turnaround jump shot player. Yeah. One of the best defenders of his generation. Victor's got to become that. And I think that's a great point. Victor Wambanyama cannot compete defensively in the NBA Summer League, yeah, he can't compete defensively. How is he going to compete against bigger, more polished bodies at the NBA level? That's what I think his biggest struggle is going to be. Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting that they played him in essentially five to seven minute spurts, right? They were real careful with him, and, yes. and I think that's absolutely the right way to go about it. You don't need this guy sustaining some major injury or really any injury at all if, if you can help it. Uh, and, and I think everyone's well aware, and I, and, and I don't know if Victor would admit it or not, but I think Victor probably understands that because of his body and the way he's built, he's a little more susceptible to injury. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's just the reality of the situation. So yeah. to me, if, if, I'm, if I'm San Antonio, the first thing I'm having this guy do is develop his legs. I, I need this guy to, to be really strong on his lower half because the, the top half will come along. I mean, again, the, the, the guy's a kid. But if you can get your lower half right and, and protect this guy's knees, ankles, protect the vital joints, he's going to be fine. But I just think that the whole time, and, and like you said at the beginning, we've been saying this forever if you listen to the show, the guy just is not going to be NBA dominant ready for two to three seasons, in my opinion. I do think his shooting will come along quickly. 
I do think mm-hmm. the other big challenge I saw in Summer League, he was not amused that he was not getting the ball every single possession. There were possessions where he didn't touch the ball, and you can see him stand at the top of the key clapping and being like, what the hell, and like, not well, amused. But his flop game's on point. Yeah. His flop game's on point. And, yeah. and real quick, though, the other thing is we got to stop this. Who's better, Kobe or LeBron? Kobe or Jordan? Victor Wambanyama had no business being compared to LeBron James. No. And I think part of it is LeBron is one of the most divisive figures in all of professional sports, right? I mean, you, you, there's no, eh, LeBron's whatever. No, you either like him or you hate him, period, point blank. Yeah. There's no in-between. But we've got to stop comparing a kid in France who's playing at a level below the G League. Like the best level in France <coughs> is below the G League. And I think we saw that with Scoot. Scoot Henderson is a far more ready player yeah. than Victor Wambanyama is. And I think when you look at Vic, the biggest disservice done to him was comparing him to LeBron James and saying he's a better prospect than LeBron James. Nobody's a better prospect than LeBron James because he his own thing. Yeah. By the way, as is Victor Wambanyama, we've never seen it before. That didn't mean it was in a good way. We've never seen a guy, seven whatever he is, three, who dribbles and handles like that. And Well, he was able to dribble and handle like that because he was playing against lower competition. NBA Summer League guys that are battling for their professional basketball life don't give a shit if you are supposedly the greatest prospect ever. Totally agree. They don't care. They don't care. They just don't care about you. Yeah, totally agree. So you're right. He's standing at the top of the key. They're not going to give you the ball, dude. They've got to get on tape. Yeah. They've got to put tape down at the summer league that shows them, hey, I'm a good player. Sign me to your German team. Sign me to your French team. Sign me to the Spanish team. Yeah. Sign me in Italy because there's real money being made out there. By the way, I think everyone's doing a disservice to Brandon Miller, and I'm not letting Buddy get away with what happened at Alabama. But this is a guy that I think everyone's just skipping over because it was Scoot versus VW the whole time. Brandon Miller absolutely owned. And I think oh. that I think that the guy looks really good. Did you see what he did to Victor? Oh, yeah. That's, that's, well, that's why I'm bringing him up because I think that, you know, the, the funny part about Brandon Miller is that he's got this incredible frame, but I think his instincts are the best part of his game. Now, he does need to work on the totally finishing agree. package a little bit, a little bit. But the shooting is on point. The shooting's on point. And I love his confidence. I love that he's not scared to just let that thing fly. Because ultimately, much like Victor, right? Not even hating on Victor. Much like Victor, these guys will find their way as far as shooting in NBA arenas, you know, finding their comfort zone. That's going to happen. And I'm not worried about that. But I just love, like you mentioned, Scoot. Love where Scoot's game is at. Love where Brandon Miller's game is at. Keontae George? Keontae George, Who loves where Keontae George's game at? Who told you about Keontae George? Who told you that Danny Ainge was doing his thing and stuff? And I don't want to (laughs) hear. I don't want to hear, oh, yeah, you know, uh, Taylor (laughs) Hendricks is going to get time in the G League this year. My ass, dude. Taylor Hendricks has no business being in the G League this year. That guy should be on the NBA roster the entire season, and I don't care if he sits there and doesn't play a minute. Dude needs experience, and if you give him that experience, he will reward you. Now, totally Sensabaugh, a different conversation. Dude, in my opinion, I would he for me, I'm sending him up and down all year long. I want him to go down 
work on playing defense without fouling out, then come back and show me what you got, right? Yep. Like, that's what I want to see because I know the individual offensive game is there, but the defense is a liability. Yep, I agree. Let's get your comments in here as we talk NBA Summer League. Anything NBA, doors wide open. Whatever you guys want to talk about, let's do it. Uh, let's see. Jet Wayman says he's definitely a project. I took the under on 55 games played his rookie season. Ooh. That's an interesting Ooh, number. Ooh, I like that number a lot. I like that. I like that one a lot. A lot, a lot. Harry Austin says someone did not watch the games. Defense, not an issue. Passing, not, was not an issue. Watch what games? With Victor? Dude. Defense is a problem. Defense is a huge problem. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, that, people immediately pointed to was all oh, the shot blocking. There's no question his shot blocking is going to be very good. He is just simply taller and longer than most people. Yep. He's going to block shots. Now, the other question I have is, who's going to teach him to stay on the floor? <laughs> because one of the things we saw repeatedly was you put a hezzy on, on Victor, he can't hang. He got <laughs> dropped badly on a double crossover by Brandon Miller. And, it, it, I mean, it was as... It was very reminiscent of Kevin Durant's oh, double cross. Like, and that, like, yeah, the, it's the biggest thing that you see Victor doing, if you go back and watch, and by the way, yeah, I, I watched every minute of both of those games, forcing my wife painfully to watch NBA Summer League. Thank you, ma'am. But anyway, the point is... Thank you. You could see, as soon as the, the, ball, went up, the ball went up like this, Victor lurched forward. And that's what got him in trouble. It got him in trouble in game one. It got him in trouble in game two. And I think when, when you look at the way teams attacked him, what were they doing? They were doing the same thing to him they were doing to Rudy Gobert. Shoulder in the chest. The difference is Victor against smaller guys has that length. And I think you also saw him block that three-point shot against Charlotte. And it might have been Brandon Miller as well. You see him block that three-point shot. But immediately those guys adjusted. So what did they stop doing? They stop just st stand like taking a jump shot. Just one step into a jumper. What they started doing is hesitating and stepping back and then going forward on him. And he didn't have an answer for that. I think you saw the he absolutely fell for the shoulder shake. Two, three times. Now, to his credit, I think Victor also got really smart offensively. He started jumping forward on his threes. Instead of because he is pretty much a guy that go, likes to go straight up because he's just taller and longer, so he shoots over most people. He knew he was struggling to score. What got him going in in game two against Portland? Well, what got him going was the free throws. Yeah. So he started jumping forward and he was getting calls on the on the landing spot three foul call thing. Yeah. Um, the landing zone foul. Yeah, landing zone. Thank you. So I, I thought he adjusted really well on that. I thought he adjusted well offensively. He knew that Portland didn't have a shot blocker on their roster. So what did he start doing? Playing at the free throw line. Running down and setting that pick at the, at the top of the circle. And then taking that shuffle step down to the free throw line. Catching the ball. And what did you see him stop doing immediately? He stopped putting the ball down here. like Because in France... When he would catch the ball, he was able to hold it here. Yes. In, in, in the States, you can't do that because guys are too fast and athletic. Yeah. So what did he immediately start doing? Using his elbows, right? So he was adjusting. That's why I say, I don't think he's going to be a bust. You can see that he has, he has a bit of the, the, he has the mental part of the game. He knows what he has to do. Yeah. The biggest question is, how, how will he compensate for his inability 
to get by guys because of how long he is. Because he's not strong, so he can't shoulder lay up a guy. Well, I thought the fall he took, right, when he was trying to push the pace up the floor, you all know the highlight. Yes. Right? That I thought that was a really indicative play of where his body's at. Because, I agree. Because everyone's like, well, he kind of lost the handle there, and then he couldn't really recover, and then he, he kind of got bumped. And it's like, yeah, he did slightly lose the handle because the ball was so far behind him. But the problem is, is I don't think people understand why that happened. That that didn't happen because he got bumped or like dude was playing super physical defense. It happened because the guys he's playing with now are much faster than he is. Yes. So he feels the need to really pick up the pace and his handle is not quite fine-tuned at that speed yet to be running full sprint. When's the last time you saw Victor Wembanyama run end-to-end full sprint, like full stride as fast as he can go? Never, because what was he asked to do in France? He was asked to be a three-point shooter and a ball handler. Yeah. So he he was in, in the NBA, make no mistake about it, he's going to have to rim run. Yes. He's going to. There's going to be a large part of his first season that's going to be played right down the middle of the court and off that left wing. He's going to have to play that way to get in to be a contributor, right? I think at some point, at some point, he that three point shot's going to become consistent. He shot twenty three percent in France, so mm-hmm. he's not a gifted three point shooter. He is probably a high twenty percent shooter, twenty seven to twenty nine, which is fine. At, yeah, which is fine at yeah. the top of his career. Yeah, but he is on the record as saying he has no desire to play center. Well, bad news is. Your coach, Greg Popovich, just signed a five-year extension. So his style is to have his bigs be big. And now with five outs in the NBA, totally get it. But Victor's going to have to change that mindset and that skill set. He's going to have to adopt the fact that he's 7'3 and a quarter or whatever he is. And that that inherently means that, hey, you, you're yes. going to have to rim run a little bit. You're, you're going to have to, like... It's not, hey, you have to be a traditional big. That's not what they're saying to him. But what they're saying is, hey, we understand you've got the handle, skill set. Okay, you've got all this great stuff as part of your game that traditional bigs don't have. But in the NBA game, we're not going to have two guys who are over seven feet on the floor at once. That's not how it works. But look at what Teddy said. Cam Whitmore looks like a steal. Yeah. Cam Whitmore dominated is dominating but why is he dominating because he's a physical mean player yeah that's a guy that i think that victor's going to struggle with yeah that's that's the guy i think he's going to have to struggle with josiah says you guys are off your rockers about what uh the star of summer league was the sphere man was it ever dude i cannot wait to see that thing in person yeah i cannot wait i'm excited about that uh salty what's up my guy i get the feeling that vw topic will become tiresome i would agree Jeff, that's how uh, he will roll an ankle and he's done for the year. Man, I hope that doesn't happen. I really hope Victor gets through year one healthy. Yeah. Because that's the only way you really grow and develop is a lot of minutes in the NBA. Because you, you have to take the beating. And this is where guys like LeBron and Jordan separated themselves early in their careers because they never took the beating. Right? They, they, they applied the beating most of the time. But a guy like Kobe, for instance who I don't think is un- unlike Victor as far as being raw. Remember all those air balls he shot against Charlotte in the Jazz, Kobe? But he grew and learned from that. Victor's got to come out and be willing to suck, man. And you have got to embrace the suck if you're Victor because you just aren't ready to play at this level yet. Yeah. 
you're going to grow into it, and I would think your skill set's going to grow into it. But that's probably three years down the line, man. Yeah. So I, I think he's going to have to be mentally tough. He is going to have to be mentally tough for sure. Nate Davis, Keontae George had a great game on Saturday night. It was awesome what he did, uh, you guys think. I do. I I told you on draft night I was super stoked for him. Mm-hmm. Like I, If you're in our uh, Instagram members only group, I think you probably know that I'm a huge Keontae George believer. I think his physicality, the thing that I loved the other night about Keontae was in the first half, he was a facilitator. In the second half, he was a killer with his jump shot yeah. and his scoring. That ability to, to hezzy with his right shoulder, that one move where he just kind of flinched up to shoot and then went right by the guy because he's quick and physical so he can get to the basket now. And you're seeing a guy like him and – it's what I love about college basketball players. They just have spent that year learning how to beat better players. And I love that. I love that about guys like Keontae, man. Yeah. Like I, I think yeah. he, it's why I'm interested to see how Taylor develops over the summer. It's why I'm really interested to see like some of the, 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 the games that Walker's going to play Walker Kessler for the jazz this summer in the world. Like I'm really excited to see that. Um, I, I, it's why I really like that a guy like Jabari Smith or Ochayak Baji, um, some of these second year guys that are playing summer league, I, I, that's what I love about it Yep. because it's really hard. And I don't, I don't know how many people realize this, but it's really hard for it, an established NBA player. And when I say established, like an Ochayak Baji second half of the year was getting regular minutes with the jazz. Yep. He is established yep. as a part of the roster. Do you know how hard it is for that guy to show up at Summer League and succeed? They're not going to play system. You're going to have a lot of selfish guys because 95% of the players in Summer League are never going to play in the NBA. Yeah, They're G League or Europe players. And so they're trying to, again, put out tape. So a guy like Ochai who's trying to play a system, he's trying to play smart basketball, make the right pass because during the season he's not a shoot-first guy. But what did he do? He ran the floor, took a lobs, threw it down, like – you love that about him. Yeah. And I think that's what's so interesting about like a Jabari Smith struggled in game one, far better in game two. Yeah. Right. Like I really have admiration for guys who are already getting a paycheck, have a contract and are established <clears throat> rotational minute guys Yeah, that are here to be like, Hey, I need to get better. Cause that's the only reason you play summer league. Yeah. They're saying to you, we need you to be a better leader and we need you to be a better player. And I, I just have so much respect for that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's amazing to me. Uh, Salty <laughs> says, Chet looks far more prepared than VW in such a short time. Facts. Because Chet, ha- do you know how painful that must have been to watch? If you're Chet Holmgren, you were ready to go in March. And they're like, nah, bro. I'm telling you, Chet is a cold-blooded killer. Absolute killer. I love watching him play. And I love the fact that he's already pulling the double team. He clearly understands, hey, I just got to make a couple early in the game. Like, I just got to get it going just a little bit, even if it's just layups and, like, just getting the basket. Because once that happens, dude, they're going to start doubling me, and that's going to open up our offense, and and we're going to get high percentage look after high percentage look. Like, he clearly demonstrated that. So, again, as I've been saying, dude, stay healthy. OKC is going to be much better for it. Uh, salty drunk Sexton to Milwaukee for Allen and Connaughton. Is this possible? It's not possible. I think that you're, you're, you can't have, you don't, what are you going to do with both Allen and Connaughton? 
I just think that's an odd fit. I think Colin Sexton goes out in a Dame trade. I've heard a lot this week about the Jazz trying to be that third team, but there are like four or five teams trying to be the – OKC is trying to be a third team in the Dame trade. Yeah. Um, the Dallas Mavericks are trying to be a third team with Tim Hardaway Jr. in the Dame trade. Yeah. Like there's a lot of teams trying to facilitate, but you know, it's interesting that I think Jet brought this up as well. The Dame trade's a problem because I think when you look at the Dame trade, you have a player saying, I'm only going to Miami. You have a general manager saying, well, we're not going to send him to one place because that trade's almost impossible to make. And yet their general manager today straight up said, if it takes a day, it takes a day. If it takes two months, it takes two months. But what you're seeing is NBA general managers are not going to be held hostage like they were last year. Yeah. That's, to me, the Kevin Durant trade was almost a watershed moment. Yep. And I think these general managers are not going to sit and wait for a name trade. And that puts a lot more, I don't know, a lot more fire under... Dame and under Portland, because I think if the Jazz do go and make another significant deal, because you've got to go and get point guard now. The Reed, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I still don't understand, and I have talked to a bunch of NBA dudes who have no idea why the Jazz did that deal, signed Reed on, from Philly on that offer sheet. It made absolutely no sense because he was never going to be here more than a year. Mm-hmm. And you wrote an offer sheet to try and screw the 76ers. And the Sixers were like, no, dude, it's good. We're going to take him. And they matched the offer sheet. Yeah. And it's like, what? Like, you're wasting time. Yeah. And one of the interesting conversations I had on a text message today was, these are a couple of moves that are very un-Danny Ainge. Like, why are you doing that offer sheet written like that? Because... It really wasn't that much of a stretch for Philadelphia to pay more luxury tax. They're paying luxury tax already. Yeah. yeah. So they were they were almost probably going to match that deal, right? But it, it just didn't make a lot of sense. The guy's not a point guard. He's not even a premier contributor. There have been a couple of those. Jordan Clarkson situation, very un-Danny Ainge. The Jordan Clarkson situation is very un-Danny Ainge. You're going to pay that cat. We were talking to one of our listeners, Alex, was up at uh, Canyons Golf this this Sunday. Jake and I were playing golf on Sunday morning, and we were on our way off the 18th, and he flagged us down, and we were talking hoop. And he he he, he we were talking about the, the Clarkson thing. And it's like nobody is talking about it. Nobody is talking about it. There's one guy talking about it. Who is it? Ryan Smith congratulating Jordan and because Ryan Smith wanted Jordan Clarkson. So you overpaid him significantly. Yeah. Not very Danny Ainge like the Reed contract offer didn't seem very Danny Ainge like. Yeah. Like if you're going to make that kind of offer, do it on an Io DeSumo. Yeah. Do it on a point guard, do it on a two guard, build depth in your roster. Now, my opinion, and from what I've heard, the jazz are going to fix their guard depth problem through trade. And I think they're hoping because I do think that Tim Hardaway is a, is a guy that fits well for the Jazz because mm-hmm. he's not making that much money. He helps you with your salary and your roster floor. Fits into the group. And he fits right into what they're trying to do. Yep. It's a really interest. He's a really interesting guy. 
And if it, it, I could see Miami, Portland, Dallas, and Utah getting together on a Dame trade, where Dame ends up in Miami, Timmy ends up in 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 Utah, and picks are exchanged. Yeah, I I don't know what that that is, but yeah, I it, mean. It's going to be interesting to me to see how all of this plays out. Yeah, I mean, the Dame thing has to be three teams. I mean, I just don't see how you're going to do that straight up. And I think that... With his money, I actually think it's got to be four. I think okay. you're going to have to find... A, you know, you look at Dallas. I don't know that Dallas has the, the goods to get it done. You know, like, again, Io DeSumo is a really interesting example. Io's probably going to sign the offer sheet. Like, yeah. he's got a $5 million offer sheet the Bulls have out on him. He's essentially restricted. Not essentially, he is restricted. Yeah. But the question is, why are teams not signing him to a sheet? Well, because nobody wants to waste their time and money. But apparently the Jazz felt like doing that on Reed, which I don't understand. But yet you won't do that on Io DeSumo. Yeah. Why? Are you waiting on a trade in 48 hours? Probably not. Like, it, it, there's just some, that Jordan Clarkson move. Oddities. There's just some odd shit going on around the Jazz that I, I don't pretend to understand. Yeah. And, and it's really weird. It's really weird the way that the Jazz have done business the last two weeks. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. OG Gary, power back to the team and the managers. Yeah, we'll find out. Delaric, players have too much power, need to get more of an equal footing. Do they, though? Um... OG Gary, hit a Bucky. I'm working out. Thanks for putting us on. Let's go, Gary. Let's go, Gary. Let's go, Gary. Tell you what, you guys. Get it going. Speaking of bucked up, man. I, and I'm not just saying this because they advertise on the show. They're they're great partners. We love our, our partners, all of our partners. But our guys at Bucked Up are fantastic. Getting on the scale this morning and, you know, passing 35 pounds now. Like, I for my what I've eaten today... I had a protein shake, a bucked up protein shake with collagen peptides. I had a buck bar. I've had, you saw me take my buck shot. And I had Chipotle for lunch. I feel really energized. And, and I will say, interesting thing about the buck shot, had a headache. I had one of those low-grade headaches all day today. You know the Not ones that anymore, just kind of hang yep. around? Yep. Gone. Yep. Don't have a headache anymore. Bucked up just works. And guys like Gary that talk about getting on the treadmill and using bucked up, I'm telling you, man, use the promo code Monty to get 20, Monty 20 to get 20% off at checkout at buckedup.com, man. I'm telling you, it absolutely makes a difference in your life. I love it. I absolutely love it. Buck, uh, bucked up has been absolutely game changing yes. for my nutrition, my sleep, my golf game. I put up a post on Instagram and Twitter today. Because um, people ask me all the time, well, you really take buckshot when you golf? Yes. So I put up a picture from Sunday of me holding a buckshot and a golf club at the course. Yeah. Because I wanted people to know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, Connor Johnson said that's a sign of caffeine addiction. What's a sign of caffeine addiction? That I had a low-grade headache all day? Well, if, if that's a sign of caffeine addiction, why didn't it go away when I got the caffeine? Because I've I had my Miami today and that didn't knock my headache out. This is a hundred milligrams of caffeine. It's not a sign of caffeine addiction. Um, but either way, it's all good. Um, 
for those who don't know, a bucky is a uh, buckshot. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, THJ would be a good fit in Utah. Who's THJ? Talon Horton Joey? No idea who THJ is. I don't know who THJ is. is. I could be wrong. Um, I don't know. OG Gary says Ainge is probably trying to be slick. We'll say. Tim Hardaway Jr. Oh, Tim Hardaway Jr. My bad. Yes, he is. He's a great fit here. Great fit. Uh, Connor says, just saying, for me, when I don't have caffeine, I get, oh, absolutely. But I had my caffeine today. Yeah. Which, by the way, bucked up Miami. Solid, bro. I'm t- Every time. I'm telling you. I am telling you. Yes, Chet. Tim Hardaway Jr. I agree. I agree. Um, somebody asked about uh, Rutschman during the Home Run Derby. Is it weird that I the Home Run Derby snuck up? The All-Star break in baseball snuck up on me. Yeah, it's weird to me that it's Monday night and the Home Run Derby's on. Like, when, like, why did I not see anything on this? Yeah, I don't know. Tom says, you guys told me I was dumb for wanting Dame on the Jazz, said it was a stupid trade. I'm not advocating for Damian Lillard. Yeah, who's, who said we want him on the I Jazz, I don't think you're dude. dumb. I just think you, you don't know basketball. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, I don't think it's dumb to want Dame on the Jazz. He's just not a fit here. Like, how does Damian Lillard's massive contract at his age fit into a Jazz team that's rebuilding and is young and doesn't need an alpha male scorer who's looking to win championships now? How does Damian Lillard fit into where this Jazz team is? Yeah. He does not. And the problem is... You take on that money, and you've completely stunted your growth. Yep. It's over. It, I mean, it's over. It's really simple. I and, mean, I don't even think it's hard to understand. And who are you giving up to get him? Because you you really think you're just going to make that trade with picks. Because they're not looking for a draft pick deal. They're looking for an NBA-ready contributor. What's up, big bro? You going to give up Walker? You going to give up Larry? Who are you going to give up? You think they're taking Colin Sexton and a couple of first-round picks and giving you Dame? Uh, the money doesn't work. And they want multiple players and multiple picks. Yeah. Okay, let's do a three-team deal. Let's say that it is take out Miami, which, by the way, Dame says is the only team he'll approve a trade to. Um, throw in Dallas. Do you think they're taking Tim Hardaway Jr. and Colin Sexton and four first-round picks? And the Dallas is getting what? That's a team trying to win a championship. I don't know. Yeah. There's not it, – it. the reason it's a four-team deal, and I could absolutely see the Jazz, the Mavs, the Blazers, and the Heat doing a four-team deal. My name is Luca. But who the fuck is taking Tyler Hero? Because I don't want Tyler Hero on that team because I don't want his contract. Yeah, man. For a guy who is really inconsistent. He's a bum. By the way, Portland's told Miami we're not interested in Tyler Hero's deal. <coughs> nice. I don't. The answer is I don't know. So, Tom, I don't think you're dumb. I'm just asking you, rationalize. Uh, take your emotions out of it. Take your Take your emotions out of it. And then explain to me how Damian Lillard works in timeline, finances, trade. Why would you do that? that that's what I'm just asking. Yeah. That's what I'm asking. 
Uh, Jeff Woodworth, uh, has Victor tried the way? Might help. No, I don't, you know, I don't, um, yeah, I don't know. Victor's the way. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Jet Wayman, if Dame was five years younger, he would be a good fit, but that's not the case. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, let's see. Roche says, back in 5G now that the show is over. show's not over. It's all good. Uh, Delaric, can we make sure Luca is in that deal, please? That's what I'm saying. Um, D. Salazar, they need another pistol. Pew, pew. Apparently. You need, you need Texas, t- Texas Tech? Uh, I want an alpha male point guard looking to win a championship on the Jazz. Why wouldn't I want that? Because they're not going to win a championship if Dame's on the roster. I, I, I just, yeah, this is just a difference of opinion, dude. It, but, but, but Tom, I'm asking you analytically yeah. think about it. Yeah. If Damian Lillard, and I, and I'm going to make sure that I get the exact numbers because I want you to, I want you to think through this. Yeah. I want you to, to ask yourself, okay, I want to trade for Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is gonna oh is owed forty five point six million forty eight, and then he has a kicker it in twenty five twenty six to fifty eight point five, and in twenty six twenty seven when he's thirty six years old, he's gonna make sixty three point two. So. <coughs> In the window when you should be elevating yourself to Western Conference Finals and NBA Championship, you're going to pay Damian Lillard, what is that, $121.7 million. Nah. And then ask yourself, okay, well, if we make that deal, let's see. Hmm, Who else are we going to have to give up? And I would tell you it's everybody. (laughs) Because you don't have that kind of money on your cap. Yeah, you don't have a like for like or even John close Collins, to it. Colin Sexton. That right there is, what is that, 30, 25, 35, 42 million. You give up those two deals, $42 million. You haven't even met half his money yet with those two guys. Like, you think they're taking THT and his $11 million? That's only 53. You haven't even met a year of that new extension. It's, it, it's just not smart. I, and I, I want, I've talked to so many jazz fans about this. Well, but he, he went to Weber state. Uh, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Well, he said he'd play in Utah. Who cares? He's it's $121 million. The last two years of his career. Who thinks that's a good idea. Point to me, the guy who made that kind of money. That's a good deal. There's one. His name's Michael Jordan. Yeah. Because he was on one-year contracts the last several years, I think the last four years of his career. Look at LeBron James. LeBron's probably going to get into that neighborhood. You want to pay LeBron James $60 million? Because I don't. I don't. You want to pay Steph that money? No, I don't. He's making $50 million. Devin Booker, that's one guy because of his age that I might consider that. You want to pay Kevin Durant that money? Those are the same guys, Kevin and Dame. You want to pay Carl Anthony Towns that money? No. Like, and by the way, Dame's not even one of the probably top five players in the league. 
Yeah, I was going to say the difference between Dame and Braun and KD is Braun and KD have been to finals a lot. And rings. Yeah. They've got rings. Yeah. Dude, like, I'm just telling you, Tom, like, you can't. There's no way to balance that. No way to, to balance that. Tom also says Clarkson doesn't need to be on the team. Remember that we don't want Clarkson. No, you don't want Clarkson. No, you don't. The owner wants Clarkson. I don't even. They overpaid him massively. Man, that's probably a stretch. Significantly. They overpaid him. Significantly. Uh, Salty says SGA will get paid multiple times. He will. Multi, and he deserves I'd it. I'd rather have SGA than Jam, Dame on the Jazz. All I would day. too. 100%. I would too. 100%. Fits in with the timeline. Skill set fits in with the roster you have. Like, really, you know, understands when to be a scorer, when to be a passer. Not that Dame doesn't, but I just think for the money versus age versus skill set, like, it just makes more sense. I mean, you guys, you look at some of the players in this league. Who's the best team in the East? Boston, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the money Boston's paying dudes. Chris Stapps Porzingis, 36. Jason Tatum is making $32 million. That's a break. Damian Lillard's making $50 million. Jason Tatum's making 32. Jalen's making 31. Brogdon's making 22. Like, you look at this roster, who's the alpha male? Now they haven't won. Totally agree with that. They haven't won. But who's the alpha male on that roster? There's not one, right? It, that, that day of alpha male making $60 million, I mean, you even look at Golden State. If we go and look at Golden State and you think about the money that they're paying dudes, yeah. what's the difference? Uh, they're one of the best dynasties in the modern era of the NBA. They're one of the best dynasties in the modern era of the NBA. The coffers are deep. That's what I'm like. I'm just, I'm trying to the get. The dynasty is not over. I'm trying to get people to understand, like, do you guys know how the Denver Nuggets built their roster? Because, bros, it wasn't on $60 million players. They have three guys making $30 million. Nikola Jokic, the MVP of the NBA and a physical freak who plays the three, four, and the five, making $47 million, $276 million extension. Now, what's the difference? He's got a ring, by the way, uh, and he's 28 years old. Yeah. And he's going to be a free agent in his year, 33 years old. Yeah. That's the difference. Dame's too old. You yes. cannot pay him that money and expect him to be an alpha dog because I'm not even positive he's still an alpha dog. Does Damian Lillard get you to the NBA Finals? Oh, he doesn't? Yeah, we'll pass. Not here he doesn't. Tom said, think Dame would change up his contract to get moved? No. No. You giving up any of your $121 Because I'm not. And he has not shown a willingness to do that. Yeah. Tom says good. With getting rid of Clarkson and some picks for Dame. Clarkson and some picks doesn't get you Dame. In what universe does Portland take Clarkson and some some picks? Respectfully, Tom. We yeah, gotta get I think some other just, comments uh, in here, yeah, bro. I think you're just in deep water. Jeff says uh, Utah should get Dame, Jokic, and Embiid. I, that's, See, I, I think and, that's whoa, whoa. a great comment. Utah should get Dame, Jokic, and Embiid for JC and some picks. Who Kiss says, my butt! Who says no, God damn it? That's Every, the untrained eye. Everybody. Uh, OG Gary, is Volkswagen a better prospect than Nick Saban? Wow. Nick Saban is, is a, a better, better prospect than you are. This is the way... <laughs> 
All right, let's talk about erectile dysfunction on the Monty Show. Wow. Ain't ducking, no smoke. And we do have to go. Uh, look at this. Look at that, that graphic. Mm-hmm. Men in their 30s are struggling with ED and sexual health more than any time in history. Now, I'm 50. And I'm telling you, up the flagpole on demand. <laughs> I have, luckily, I've never struggled with it. And so my question is, one, why do we as guys not talk about this more? Well, obviously, it's, you know, the unit. Soft person tendency. Yeah, it's the unit. And I think people get embarrassed about it. But why is it that men in their 30s are struggling with erectile dysfunction more than at any time in history? It used to be an old man disease. Yeah. But when we were prepping the show today, and I said, Jake, you're in your 30s, almost. You're 29. Yeah, careful. Almost. Not yet. Why do you think guys in their 30s are struggling with it? Because I think we, we spend too much time sitting in the chair in the office. We don't get outside enough. We, then we combine that with not eating well, and then we don't feel good from not eating well, so we sit around some more at home. And by the time the day's over and it's time to get it going, your body's dead. Your body's tired. Your body is just tapped. Like, done. And that's what I think is tough is like, again, it's just this thing where it's like, dude, like, think about your day. I mean, for most, like, the yeah. average nine to five, or if you're not, if you're just chilling in the morning, if you're not, if you're not getting any type of exercise in the morning, I'm not even saying you got to be some crazy weightlifter. Like, just, no. I'm just talking about, like, I'm a huge believer. If you just, I'm a big believer in the sun, meaning, like, obviously, we've talked all about how, like, getting sun in your eyes in the morning really helps you wake up and brings mental clarity. But I, but I think on this topic, I think getting enough sun every day and getting walking, exercise, getting the heart rate up, like allowing your body to work, it just is beneficial in a ton of different ways. And this is one of them. I can tell you firsthand, days I go out and golf, I come home, eat a good lunch. Dude, let's go. I'm blast, bro. Like, it's not even like I just don't think it's that complicated. Now, sure, there are some some dudes who it's a chemical thing, right? Like you just, even if you were to do all that, it still wouldn't happen. You Like that's a little different, right? That's a different category. Okay, cool. But to me, I think the majority of guys in their 30s right now, especially, obviously that'd be millennials. The problem is, is that we're so caught up in our nine to five culture. We're so caught up in- A lot pain, of stress. Like a lot of stress, pain, yes. like being in between, right? Hey, I've got all this college debt. Or, like, I start a business, so I have all this credit card debt, and I'm trying to get by, and, like, all this stuff. And it's like you're just tapping your system, dude. You How have... much of it do you think is pornography? Mm, I think because there's a fair amount. Yeah. I think there's yeah. a lot of dudes who have no problem, you know, being able to perform when they're by themselves. Yeah. I think there's a lot of dudes who have no idea what to do when there's a woman in the room or a significant other in the room. And I think a lot of it is pornography, but I think what you talked about, I think number one, the pandemic has absolutely played a role. I gained 50 pounds during the pandemic and I was embarrassed about it. Now I never had to deal with erectile dysfunction, thankfully, but sitting around living in Phoenix, it was miserable. Yeah, Man, the five year sentence I did in Phoenix was miserable. So I, I'm sure it's easy to sit around on the couch I am sure there's a lack of exercise, but you know what else I think? I think our fast food culture, I think our junk food culture, I think our soda culture is absolutely terrible for you. 
if you are not exercising. And I, I look at I look at how we live our lives now. And I do think there is I think there is a culture of sitting around and, and gaming, sitting around in Netflix and chilling. Mm-hmm. And I think we forget that the millennial generation has taken a beating. Yeah. I think we forget that the millennial generation has no idea how to communicate 1v1. No idea how to communicate. If, if there's not a cell phone in their hand, what do they do? I don't know. They don't know. Right? So I point to like pornography and I point to the inability to communicate. When's the last time a millennial that was single sat across the table from another single millennial gal and knocked it out of the park on the first date? Probably doesn't happen very much. Well, and I think, you know, in all fairness, like the dating game's a really interesting parallel because I think it goes both ways. I don't think it's just a dude problem. I think no. that I think that the ladies have a problem with it too. And again, I think it's a generational issue. It like legit. I think I think, you know, because we had everything handed to us, we have we have unreasonable expectations of the world. And so we go and get backslapped or punched in the face or the world doesn't give a damn about what we think or feel or whatever, however you want to verbalize that. And so then we get down on ourselves, which means we don't want to exercise. And it just, it's just a snowball effect. I mean, I'm sure we've and all we been through that. The other thing is we don't talk to each other about stuff like this. And erectile dysfunction or ED or sexual dysfunction in general, because there's a lot of other things that go into that. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about hair loss. We don't talk about, you know, problems with weight loss, libido. Like, we don't want to talk about that Anything stuff. Anything that downgrades us as a human, we don't want to talk about. No. When, when's the last, like, I, I think as, as a guy, there's so much more that we deal with because the expectations in a lot of corners are still that guys are breadwinners, that guys have to pay the bills, that guys have to raise the children. Like, there's all kinds of pressure on men and i'm not saying women don't have different pressure because they do but specific to men i think there's just a lot of things whether it's pornography whether it is the pressure to be a good husband child to be a good son to be a good friend like we don't have circles of friends anymore Mm -mm. you know like we all keep if you look at yourself you're probably much like me i keep a very small circle of friends i don't have a thousand friends that i went to college with or but for me I'm 50 years old now. Like, I'm an entrepreneur. I meet people every day. I, You know, like, that stuff in my mind, in my opinion, is very different for a 30-year-old who's facing challenges of, fuck, man, I can't even afford to buy a house. No. I've got stress because my girlfriend, even if you have a girlfriend, my girlfriend wants wants the, the brass ring. She wants the white picket fence and the green green grass and the five bedrooms and the five and a half bathrooms. She wants the dog. She wants the kids. Oh, by the way, we have to have sex to get there. But now I'm in a situation where I got to figure out how I'm going to make money. I lost all my money on crypto or I have all this pressure to be an entrepreneur and I have no idea what I'm doing. I think I'm, it's I'm honestly, in student loan debt. Yeah, I think it's even le- I, like on it. Like I, I agree with the track you're on there. I just think it's the, the floor is lower than that now because I think everything is so expensive like it used to just be hey yes hey like houses are just too expensive like me like when i was single hey like i you know i just it just is what it is i'm not going to be able to do on my own right now go out and compete for uh you know a five hundred thousand dollar house let's say because that's kind of the median right now you know give or take like that's what it used to be now it's like hey 
dude, uh, gas is four fifty one for premium. You know, God forbid you found your way into a fun little car. Uh, by the way, if you want to travel anywhere, yeah, airlines are really expensive right now for just just regular old, you know, main class or whatever. Not even first class, just main cabin. Like food, gas, like cell phone, like everything is just more expensive. So we're in this time in our country where as dudes, like even like I agree, there are a lot of ladies out there who want all this stuff. But as a guy, it's embarrassing when you, you're just struggling along. Like, it's not fun because I think w at millennials, I can tell you, grew up in a culture of men don't cry. And I know that, that that expectation is generations deep. That's not just a millennial thing. So that's why I say, like, when we talk about, hey, like, dudes in their 30s are struggling to get it going. Yeah, it's not just that, hey, I have a chemical imbalance. I'm stressed over money and life and, like, all this stuff. So I watch pornography to feel better about myself. Right, I watch right. pornography so I can, so I can be sexual. Um, I spend a lot of time by myself. I don't have a circle of friends. And it's why I think we've stopped communicating. And that, that's the, you know, the one thing that I took away from reading about this yesterday was, man, we have got to find a way to like have conversations amongst dudes. We've got to find a way, whether it's on the golf course or at lunch today at work or, you know, hey, man, I, we've got to find relationships where we can openly talk about stuff. And, and I think, listen, I, I work with Jake all day long, every single day. We talk about all kinds of stuff. He does not talk about shit dude like one of the biggest arguments we have is you don't communicate mm -hmm. like he does not communicate we we argue about emotions or i mean it, it just your generation i think and millennials by the way are not just in their 30s but this study that i was reading about in the new york times i think it was was talking about how american men in their 30s are struggling with erectile dysfunction and their the the causes were many food was definitely on the list. We put a lot of additives and preservatives in our food now. Yeah. So when you go out to fast food, go to places that make whole food at least. Go to go to Chipotle. Go to Super Chicks. Go to Millennials are twenty seven to forty two right now. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So they're the dominant. They're the dominant generation yeah. in that window. But I think if we had the ability to say, "Hey, Steve. Hey, friend of mine." I'm really struggling with having sex with my wife. Is that something that you deal with? Hey, I'm really struggling being intimate with my wife. Is that something you deal with? Well, I'm having performance issues. I just think you got to have balls to even bring that up. I, I, I think, think for you most do. people, you got to have balls, dude. Like, I, I, I don't. It's so taboo. Yeah, I, I mean, well, it, like, it is taboo. I think, I think there's a lot of, we do a lot of saving face. It's just the reality of the situation. We, we do, do a lot, a lot of, of pride, face, dude. We do a lot of pride. Yeah. And I, I, I just think it is... I mean, it's easy to sit here and say that we should talk more about these things. We should, absolutely. Yes. But I think the, the reality of the situation is, is like, like for most people, like, like they don't see their parents but like once or twice a year. So if, like if you don't have... Wild. If you're not tight with your parents and you only have that kind of group of friends that you see, you know, like, you know, maybe a couple times a month or whatever, like, you know, just a normal like friendship, right? Like, bringing that up to someone that you're just kind of normal friends with is probably a little uncomfortable, you but know? It, but think about, and that's why I brought up the circle of friends thing. Yeah. I mean, seriously, sit here for a second and ask yourself, well, how many friends do I really have? Because I've got, like, three. I don't have friends all over the place. Yeah. I don't. 
And I, I think I'm really lucky that I talk to my wife about a lot of different things. And I would like to think if I was struggling to perform in bed, I would be able to say to my wife, hey, I'm really having a problem with this. Or, but, and I'm sure that's difficult. As men, we're very prideful about our units, dude. Like, Well, I think maybe, maybe that side of the conversation isn't, like, if you think about it, I'm not even being funny about it. Like, that's the problem with it. We don't have to bring it up because it's so evident. Like, we don't get to fake if we enjoy it or not. Or if well, we're able to perform true. or not, right? Like it's either it is or it's not, right? They're like it's just it just is. That's just how it works. But what else? What else? Conversationally speaking, honest to goodness, as you guys hit the like button, please, if you have not yet. Trust me, it really helps the channel grow. Um, what else do we have trouble talking about as men? I think there. First of all, there's a lot of us that can't communicate at all, right? There's a lot of us that can't communicate. But I think when you look at the core issues in our life, I think a lot of men don't want to talk about being unhappy. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm unhappy with this. And I'm very lucky that I've, I have the ability to do that. But there was a lot of, a lot, like my wife and I spent a year apart in 2006. And I, 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 there was a lot of that year apart that I spent exploring. Like Meaning what? Exploring how I how. felt and what I was angry about or what I was unhappy about. Right. Like one of the things that I've said to my wife recently is I just don't get to spend time by myself ever. Ever. I like I am always with somebody. I am never. And I it just it's weird because I'm never home alone. I am never home alone. I'm either at work. I am at home with my wife. I am golfing. I am. I am never by myself. And it's just one of those things where you miss it sometimes. You miss the quiet. You miss the dark. And one of the things that I think really helped me when my wife and I were separated all those years ago was sitting. I lived in St. Louis at the time, and I had a loft downtown. And sitting in that loft in the dark was flipping phenomenal at times. Because you can be mad. I, I can tell you I sat on my couch and cried sometimes. I can tell you that I didn't do anything. I sat in, I remember many times where I made dinner or walked down the street and got a salad and sat by myself in a dark loft and just thought. Yeah. And so now one of the things that Jake and I do, we don't carpool anymore. I mean, I live, work 10 minutes from my office now, but. One of the things I really like to do sometimes is just listen to really loud music or not listen to music at all. You know, like those little things. Mm -hmm. I think that as men, we have to be able to communicate that. We have to say, hey, sometimes I just need to be by myself because we have kids, we have jobs, we have wives, we have all of this stuff. And we won't say, hey, I needed a little quiet time. Right? Hey, I need, what do you need? Maybe you have too much alone time. I, I, one of the things that I really worry about, like my wife is training for this triathlon. I don't run and I don't bike. By the way, I don't swim. But she's got a group of people that she bikes with. She's got a group of people now she's swimming with. She's taking these master swimming classes. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and one of the things I worry about is my wife does not golf all the time. I golf every, almost every day I do something golf related. 
So I worry about, hey, and I voice this to my wife. Hey, are we spending too much time apart? I'm worried that, it, you know, hey, you're going to be doing your training and I'm going to be doing my golfing. And if, if I didn't care about my marriage, I would probably be going to the range three, four nights a week. But frankly, sitting on my couch, watching the emergency on my DVR and just laughing at the music or laughing at the characters with my wife, then we go upstairs, we brush our teeth, we lay down and we, we talk ourselves to sleep. There's some real fucking pleasure in that, man. Yeah, I mean, there, you have to do those things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just So it's, it, it's one of those things where you just have to, you have to be able to openly communicate about the things that are, are not fulfilling to you without worrying about, hey, am I going to cry during this conversation? Who cares? If, if you're talking to that significant of a person, who cares, right? Like, if you're talking... You're helping yourself. But so many of us won't just open up to say, hey, I'm struggling with this. You know, hey, I'm really unhappy in my career. One of the things I'm really thankful for is my wife said to me several years ago, I hate doing what I'm doing. I need to change. I, I can't keep doing what I'm doing. And so she changed. She said, I want to go back to school. Okay, go back to school. Do what you want to do. You know, like yeah. we openly talk about, hey, we don't want to work for the rest of our lives. Now I'm obsessed with golfing for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I want to travel the world and golf. And thankfully, my life, my wife, Saturday night, when had the worst golf experience of, on a golf course at Mountain Dell that I've had. That place will never get my business again because um, it was a terrible course yeah. in terrible condition. It was like golfing on cement, golfed with two lovely gentlemen. Um, but the course was a disaster. But Mrs. Monty and I had fun doing it. We laughed together. We rode in the cart together. We, you know, yeah. we dropped my canteen and mangled up the top of my canteen out of my cart. Like those little moments, whether you golf well or not, my wife's ability to say, hey, just relax. Like, so I'm a really intense golfer. I think every shot should go in the hole. Right. Um, and she's one of the few people where if we're, if I'm golfing and I'm playing poorly, she can kind of talk me out of that. And it, it's, I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Giggity says, being alone is great. I take full advantage of it every time I go to Utah to recalibrate and come home a better husband and father. Have to do it. Have to do it. Brandon Butler, we as men need to be valued for who we are and not what we can provide. Thank you. We are judged for what our job is, how much we make, how much we drive. Uh, or what we drive. I think we need to be valued as human beings, not ATMs. Well, and I think... You know, the funny thing is, doing what I do, nobody thinks about me as a father, a husband, a human being. Oh, you're the guy on YouTube. For better or for worse. Oh, you do that show. Or, hey, I watch your show. Or, hey, man. like. So I've always struggled with that. Right. I've always struggled. Brandon, I think that's a great point. Tom says, millennial issues that are different than boomers and Gen X is online things. Even... Uh, even that bleeds, everything else you said could be said about anyone. True. Absolutely. Uh, Jeremy Severe, intimacy is more than just sex. There are other forms of intimacy. Oh, certainly. I'm telling you, just now, I'm not trying to get into love languages or whatnot, but you have to understand what your partner needs. Conversations. Yes, conversations are very important. Yeah. For me, conversations, um, I think acts of, of, kindness, um, positive affirmations, like, yeah, 
You need that stuff. Absolutely you do. Uh, Kelly Parks, this conversation is very much needed. Some may look at it as free counseling. A lot of people may find it difficult, but some find it helpful above and beyond all the lies of society. And it's, that's the real problem, Kelly. That's a really powerful statement, the lies of society. Because I think as men, we, we easily fall for that. Kelly says, thanks, you're welcome. Uh, Gen X is the flower children. Their snowflakes were the flower children. We have a lot of snowflakes. Because sometimes it, you need somebody to kick you in the balls once in a while. Mm-hmm. You need somebody to say, hey, you're fat, lose weight. Hey, you need to get out of bed. Hey, whatever your issue, you need to stop yeah. smoking so much weed. You need to stop watching porn. You need to change your career. You need to get a different job, whatever it might be. Yeah. So, uh, all right, a couple more, and then we got to roll. Uh, Jeff says, I got a new job so I could spend more time with my family. Huge, huge. Uh, Truck Stop Gumby, sorry, I got lost in a video about Apaches. Uh, Okay. 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 You know. Uh, Sundev says, uh, earth-shattering Pac-12 news. Not Well, go back to the beginning. Yeah, go back to the beginning, bro. Yeah, you know. Uh, It's me, Candy Morgan. Okay. Men don't talk about betting 10-leg parlays. They probably should. Uh, uh, Derek says, we don't talk about addiction when we have them. We always try to solve our problems so we don't look weak. Ooh. That's interesting. That's interesting. Mike Chase, uh, got to... uh, Got to go get my Papa Murphy's, boys. Have a great night. Hey, man, appreciate that. Yeah, appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. You have a great night as well. Always good. Uh, always a good night to get Papa Murphy's pizza. When you get your Papa Murphy's pizza, make sure that you use the promo code MONTI25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more. The Monty Show, as always, is presented by our friends at The Advocates working with The Road Home. To make sure that homeless children have what they need to get back to school, you guys, please get to the UtahAdvocates.com, theadvocates.com. Ask them about The Road Home. You know, buy an apple from The Road Home that helps put kids back in school. School is so important. Socialization, as we are just talking about, is so important. UtahAdvocates.com, theadvocates.com. Chat with them. You can chat 24-7. Say, hey, I want to know about the road home. I want to help homeless kids get back to school. I heard about you on the Monty Show. Appreciate you guys doing that. 6 uh, six a.m. Mountain, 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern tomorrow morning. Until then, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.